Dirty Harry and Steve Urkel are dead. Lots of anime to talk about in this episode. And last but not least, perhaps the greatest superhero movie of all time. This week on Welcome everyone to 302010, your weekly auditory trip back through time, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Each week, 302010 looks at uh, the world of news, music, movies, TV, video games, all that stuff within a one-week window, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. So get ready to travel back to 1988, 1998, and 2008, covering the week of July 13th to the 19th. Hello, I'm one of your hosts. Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a joke this time. I am uh, Chris. Antista, uh, I hope that read. I hope that read. Who else is with me today? Uh, I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm so serious because we have so much to talk about. <laughs> and it's me, Sarah. And I'm wondering, is there such thing as insanities and penguins? Man, it is a great. <laughs> it is a great week to like stuff. Yeah. Incredibly notable music. I again, I think the best superhero movie of all time. And this even got Diana to dive into a little anime this week. I did it. For you, the listener, because <laughs> I have journalistic integrity. You are a better had, woman than me. I, I knew this was coming for like months. That this was <laughs> everything's going to line up. That we were going to have this huge episode with tons of stuff to talk about. That's all really important. I love so much. And then right on Twitter, like last week, someone's like, "Oh, good, you're talking about Akira." And I look it up and I'm like, ah! And I did it though for I, you. I can't because we, I love you. We canceled our evening plans. It's true. In order to record this episode, because there's so much incredibly insane stuff to talk about. So please stick around. Well, beginning as we always do in 1988, we're looking at July 13th to the 19th. Just a quick reminder: all the stuff that came out. But let's let's settle you into the world of 1988 uh, <laughs> with a really dumb news. But we'll basically describe what happens to all of television mm-hmm. uh, for the last three days of this week. Michael Dukakis and rival Reverend Jesse Jackson agree to work together on the first day of the Democratic National Convention in Atlanta. That is something that oh, happens. Cool. Good. That out of the way. Fantastic. Oh, we refresh off our Monday night movie. Uh, once again, 302010 and all the other shows in the Laser Time Network are uh, supported by listeners just like you at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, you have just been treated to what is 1988, July 13th to the 19th, the number one movie at the box office, a coming to America commentary with our buddy T.L. Foster and Sammy, yeah. uh, Miss, <laughs> Mr. Sarah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is now on our Patreon, and we are in the midst of trying to launch some new shows, which you can hear a pilot of over there for nothing. Uh, Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Consider it. It's how we all uh, get paid. And the show might not exist without it. Anyway, uh, movies of 1988. I plugged way too early. Threw off my game. Uh, but this is a this is a terribly great movie to start out with. Mm-hmm, <laughs> 1988. Mm-hmm. Can you confirm this, Diana? That Hobgoblin? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is, uh, History Science Theater's Hobgoblins. Uh, far more famous for MST3K. And, and yeah. one of yeah. the most fun episodes of that show, by the way. Uh, it's Hobgoblins is right up there. It's one of my favorites. And I believe my MST3K11 friends at uh, Cap City Video informed me they made a sequel to this somewhat recently. What? The original, oh. the original folks involved. But Hobgoblins, a disgustingly 80s Gremlins ripoff. 
with oh, it's so much worse. It's Sub Ghoulies. <laughs> uh, that that actually came out this week. Can you confirm that it actually released in a movie theater? Apparently, it actually released in a movie theater. Oh no, um, I kind of think of it as like Madballs the movie. <laughs> it's just sort of an ugly rubber toy, and it's got some hair on it, and then they just sort of run around. Uh, and I Badly. actually not do, really. They don't even really run. I do they drive love, at one point. I do love Madballs the movie too. Uh, but <laughs> we, last week we talked about a bunch of sequels that essentially closed out their franchises. Mm-hmm. Here's one in at the wire. It's difficult to think of Dirty Harry as a five-movie series. Yeah, I kind mm-hmm. of had no idea until I started looking into it. Oh, wow, this is a whole thing. This is a huge thing, and I forgot about it because Clint Eastwood plays the same fucking character in numerous movies, so like, I always thought the Enforcer was involved. No, it's just Clint Eastwood playing a gruff cop again. I'm just not in San Francisco. Yeah, it's, it's hard to keep track of which one is canon and which mm-hmm. what's not, basically. <laughs> But it's, uh, I think, one of the most notable movies shot in my uh, former, you know, in, where Diana used to reside, the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still live in the Bay Area. It's and true. honestly, especially the, the first Dirty Harry, but some of the other Dirty Harry movies, they're very good with geography in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. They, like, they'll do a great job with, like, the chases and what view you can actually see from where. And, like, they, they film on location and they care. Hey, yeah. they care. It's fucking gorgeous. And Alamo Drafthouse did, like, a rolling road show a couple years back where you could watch Dirty Harry at those locations. It was oh, really that's neat. Awesome. Oh, um, but here, let's hear a little bit of the trailer for The Deadpool. The Deadpool is just a harmless game. Sounds pretty sick to me. Hopefully he's game and make it real. Callahan, your name is on this list, too. Maybe I'll start my own Deadpool and put you on it. Clint Eastwood is Dirty Harry in The Deadpool. Rated R. And I love that that song's in the movie. Oh, man. Di, can you, mm-hmm. do you, do you remember the plot of Deadpool? Did you watch, watch this again, Sarah? Oh, I did. I definitely oh did. I know your husband's like a no shit fan of like the Clint Eastwood oh movies. Oh my god, yes, he loves them, and he was he was kind of like, all right, this isn't the best one, but it is a fun one, so let's watch it. I was like totally down for it. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. I mean, the plot is that there's a series of murders happening mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and they're all kind of connected by this Deadpool, which is a game that's being played. Not the one you're thinking of, kids. Not the. Merc with a mouth. Yeah. Wow, you did it, Sarah. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Um, but a game that's being played on the set of a horror movie where people are making lists of famous, notable figures mm-hmm. in the area and then kind of betting on who's going to die first. Well, and I love that one of the people who dies very quickly mm-hmm. sings sings the song Welcome to the Jungle as if we all don't know who it's really by. I was very perplexed by that scene. <laughs> and that's that's how that's how 80s movies is. Before they're like truly big stars, ladies and gentlemen, here's a sequence with Jim Carrey playing a grunge strung out rocker singing Welcome to the Jungle, arguing with his director played by Liam Neeson. Sucks, man. How can I sing with shit exploding all over the place? It's just an accident, Johnny. If you ask me, this whole movie is an accident. How the fuck did I let myself get talked into this shit? Johnny, you needed a music video and I needed this sequence for the film. Stop complaining. We're both getting what we want. Yeah, well, I don't see why we couldn't shoot on a nice warm soundstage instead of a goddamn meat locker. I told you, I needed cold so the audience can see your breath when you sing. It's an effect. Brilliant. I don't know that I've heard Jim Carrey curse that much. I know. It's a little <laughs> weird coming out of and if I, I just know, like, even you big movie fans, if I asked you, what movie starred Liam Neeson and Jim Carrey, nobody would ever get it. Like, that never happened. This is a did. great movie for Six Degrees of Separation game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy that it's in my uh, holster now. Oh, what, are, what are we doing talking this much about the Deadpool? Uh, we have I don't way know, too- it was a fun one. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a fun 80s watch, but nowhere near as fun as the rest of the stuff. Oh, man, I'm glad I didn't have to do any research, because, Diana, can you confirm that you watched an anime after years of threatening? <laughs> I I watched an anime. This is actually uh, going back a good 25 years. This is the first anime I saw. Oh, okay. Um, I had a friend who actually had a subtitled VHS in probably circa 92, 93, so it must have cost her a fortune she was into anime i was not she really wanted to share her love with me and i watched this i got bored and i didn't get it at the time (laughs) and since then it's turned out that i am allergic to anime and i can't watch it because i start sass mouthing it and making fun of it it's a serious illness you guys anime please it's in the dsm it is it's real so when i saw oh god Akira, I know Akira is really important. I know it's sort of the breakthrough anime into America, especially. I'm going to have to watch this. And uh, it's good. Ah, good. Whoa. Because I've I've turned a corner on Akira, too. I thought it was needlessly perplexing and kind of more random and visually striking than it was that it had anything to say. But I think I was kind of wrong on that uh, on that take that I had, like you, in the mid-90s. Akira was not my first anime, so it's, mm-hmm. it comes off as somewhat incoherent. Uh, but it's still gorgeous, and you can see its influence on like all of animation, not just uh, not yeah. just Japanimation. Ooh, well, one just, of the things that I was struck by was that it wasn't as anime as I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to be like really anime and the giant eyes, and everyone's got a tiny mouth and pointy chin and no nose, and they're running around with really big spiky hair and being ah crazy. <laughs> well, that did happen, um, and this. <laughs> Uh, at the ending, it does. It goes everything goes mm-hmm. fucking nuts at the end. But they put so much care into the animation on this that I found out uh, most of it is at least twelve drawings per second. A lot of it is twenty four. So it yep. is so oh, much more God. fluid than other anime. Right. It, it actually it reminded me of Ralph Bakshi a lot. Right. Right. This excessive use of extra frames, like almost all yeah. television animation you see is. On the 11s, I believe they call it. Hmm. 11 frames yeah. a second. Yeah, and f- film goes at 24 frames a second. Mm-hmm. So every the fewer frames you do, the j- more jagged the movement is. And this is so fluid and so carefully thought out. There's so many crowd scenes and scenes of giant, lots of stuff coming together to create a bigger thing. And like every single piece of it is thought out so well. Yeah, and do yourself a favor if you want to see a really quick snapshot of Kira's influence. Try and Google the Akira... Akira motorcycle gif of him sliding in, sliding into the center of frame with his foot down. Every single cartoon since has stolen that shot. Hmm. Oh yeah, and it's, it's oh, a it, lot it, of films it, have to. Yeah, I believe it's it, it's sort of the cover of the latest Blu-ray, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it's weird because I remembered it being about a motorcycle gang. This guy with this cool motorcycle, and that's actually only like a small part of it. I mean, I know part of the problem is this was like a much bigger manga series, and then it's shortened down we kind of mm-hmm. skip the whole middle and so it makes it seem kind of abrupt and like i didn't really get a lot of character out of people right big problem was everyone looked the same there's like two characters of the same face and there's other two characters of the same face and like wait which one is it and then you wait for one to go tetsuo <laughs> and, and like oh you and listen to the dub that's kind of every character is voiced by two out of four of the ninja turtles <laughs> so it, like yeah th- th- this is not I'll never call it like my favorite movie, but I really do like watching it because, yes, its influence is all over the place, but it's a really interesting movie from 1988. Just mm-hmm. so gorgeous. 
Yep, um, and they say the uh, the date of the nuclear explosion that starts World War Three mm-hmm. is the release date. It's July well eighteenth. Uh, oh, neat. Nineteen eighty-eight. That's what it opens with, and you're like, oh. That's today. How wonderful. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is opening in Japan and uh, not necessarily yes. America. Yeah, it takes a while to get to America. And then there's, you know, sub versus dubbed. I think it comes over here just dubbed. And, uh, you know, it, it gets a decent amount of play. And, you know, a lot of critics like it. And right. saying, like, this is so different than what we're used to. Yeah. It's hyper violent. It's really weird. And... It, it sort of it kind of helps open the market for like there's been anime this whole time you guys but yeah. now it's starting to get good just and now the market is starting to appear for it freaking American weeps and, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah it just opens the door for all the other stuff I guess this is doing a little bit of research this is like a, a big time in the 80s for anime just in Japan a lot of great stuff was coming out yeah. at the time that was very popular. I think Evangelion is about to starting around now, and or no, wait, that's later. Um, but, but in a like different perfect, world, in a perfect diff- blue and uh, stuff. In a different world, it's very, 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 very slowly making its way to America. It wasn't right. It wasn't a. It wasn't a Japanese invasion. It just it was a slow trickle, and that's why I think anime fans back then got so excited because to get anything was kind of a miracle. And it's a mm-hmm. lightly plug an episode we did of Laser Time. We did an interview with Jerry Beck, like a great um, animation historian, animation producer. And he was, by just being an animation fan, was instrumental in getting movies. I think Akira, yeah, I think he was responsible for getting Akira over here. Hmm. He's like, people have to see this. And it was, it's, it's much more difficult than you think it would be. Mm. And it's, yeah, it just sucks the idea that like, man, I wish I could show the, this country Akira and you can instantly do it. I can't even imagine living that world, yeah. even though I did. It's hard to imagine that world. I, too, suffer from anime allergy, but, <laughs> oh, you know, know. your I story... I tried a Benadryl. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Well, it would just make you sleepier, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but your story has inspired me, and I do... I mean, it is definitely an overlooked area of my pop culture mm-hmm. purview, so uh, you guys have sold me. Well, I'll it's check like, it out. It's like I always want to like tell people I, I make fun of not liking anime. I think some of it is a little tropey yeah. and predictable. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, yeah. but it's like to get into anime now is to basically give yourself like eight, 80,000 hours of homework. Yes. And, like- and I think that's been like a big stumbling <laughs> block for me. And also, too, with certain – like because I actually did seek out Akira in preparation for today and watched actually like the first 15 minutes of it. Um and I didn't, like, turn it off in disgust or anything, but there were just, like, other stuff going on. The problem with starting out, though, I feel like sometimes with, like, the seminal work of a mm. thing yeah. makes it har- sometimes very right. hard to appreciate. I know so. ex- exactly. It's like it's like starting out. It's, it's like the first time you ever jumped in your life, you jumped as high as you possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> like, how am I supposed to appreciate this yeah. at all. I was going to say it's like the first book you read was War and Peace. <laughs> it's like not very accessible. The first movie you saw was Citizen Kane. You have right. no idea exactly. how to appreciate yeah. it. Exactly. But yeah, I, I know and there it. was a lot of there's a lot of political stuff I'm sure that was very important in Japan at the time that it's like I don't have the context for this. Right. I yeah. Exactly. I know this has something really important to say, but it's just right over my head. Right. Mm-hmm. I really would like to watch this again. I, I somehow got sent that Blu-ray a while back, and I have not put, I have not popped it in. I don't know. Do we, I don't know if I want to stop. We're, this episode is going to go long. There are too many yeah. important mm-hmm. movies here. Um, and can we? You want to move on to the next movie? Yeah. Which I think is. Oh yes, I do. 
incredibly important, even though I feel like it used to run on television like every day, and I haven't seen this movie in years. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, A Fish Called Wanda. Archie Leach. Darling. Darling? Yes, dear? Is a lawyer <laughs> who's in love with a thief <sighs> who's hiding the key to a small fortune. It's 20 million. From a killer called Otto. Are you totally deranged? Friends are old chap. A crazy called Ken. And only a fish called Wanda knows where it is. Where are the diamonds? A fish called Wanda. Hello, Wanda. Rated off. <laughs> Man, this movie uh, is tons of fun. I'm glad I could find an ad that tries to explain the plot because it's very complicated. <laughs> it I mean, it's not really complicated, but it's it's a heist comedy where everyone is double-crossing each other. So, yes, it's a little hard to explain in, in 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. But one of my favorite... I, I don't know where Kevin Klein went other than within occasionally popping up on Bob's Burgers, but this is kind of my favorite role of his ever. <laughs> to shout that as you're slamming into someone else's car. Is one of the- oh, well, no, it's not be just he's slamming into someone else's car. Okay, yes. because let, let me go deep on this because this is the movie I've been wanting to talk about for six months. I've been teasing it over and over and over. We're here. I want to talk about Fish Called Wanda, one of the 10 greatest comedies of all time. Boom. I think we before we Easily. before we started, we... Like, uh, this week contains two of the AFI's top 100 comedies of all time. So stay yep. tuned. And this is the highest one we will ever get to talk about. This is number 21. Huh. Behind the apartment, ahead of Adam's rib. <laughs> like, the, like the first, not the last one. All right. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually a movie about John Cleese dealing with his love-hate relationship with America. <laughs> Whoa. Please go on. Okay. So John Cleese, obviously, from Monty Python. Um He loves America. He's married American women several times. Mm. But he also despises how dumb we are. (laughs) That we are big, dumb louts. And that is Kevin Klein's character to a T. He is the epitome of an ugly American. The reason he's screaming asshole while driving down the street is because he's in a giant American-like Cadillac (laughs) driving on the right in England. And when someone hits him, he's mad at them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I always shout it while driving. Asshole! Asshole! Love it. So where do we start with how amazing this movie is? It's got... uh, Looking for clips was hard because there's so much verbal comedy, but there's so much physical comedy, too. Like Michael Palin Uh, in particular is, I don't know, amazing. He's, I mean, it's so hard. Like, when this dude ran on TV, they would edit out some of his stuttering Mm -hmm. because they thought it was offensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is weird because Michael Palin's dad stuttered. He just based his character on his dad. Mm. And it's written out in the script. It's, like, perfectly written out stuttering. And he later, like, went on to fund some um, foundation, actually, to help with speech disorders because of this. Oh, Great, so it's bringing yeah. awareness, to Exactly. Damon. And just, well, he's the most sympathetic character in the movie because he's surrounded by people who are completely immoral, but he loves animals, and yet his job is to try to kill an old woman who's a witness <laughs> to their crime. <laughs> and it never works out because he keeps killing her dogs and getting really upset about it. And, and I, puppies. I just sort of want to say, I don't know, I think like Michael Palin has the coolest post-Python career. Yeah, I said it, John, yeah. please. You're not oh, in yeah. Brazil. Oh, just the travel shows, man. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My husband, Michael, actually pointed out something I never thought about. Jamie Lee Curtis is probably the sexiest long-term female star that has short hair, like, all the time. Huh. Uh, 100% agree. Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> You're not looking at Sarah's hair, like, right now, like I am. Yeah, like, basically, <laughs> my haircut is based on her haircut. 
at various stages of her career. <laughs> yeah, like 10 years from now, she's like stripping down and, and dancing for Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies. Yeah, she never grew it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except for Halloween. Oh, yeah, she's that's a right. teenager. That's right. And since then, and she's she's got to keep up with just the funniest people on the planet. And she is so good in this because she plays the good parts of America. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not the good parts. That She's fun and she's free and she's actually double-crossing everyone, including John Cleese that she's seducing. And poor John Cleese is just the epitome <laughs> of a broken-down, sad man. Who's so British, it hurts him. <laughs> so British. Violently British. He, Ooh. He's violently, aggressively British. He has rigor mortis in the prime of life. And he wants this freedom of America, but he also hates the disgusting vulgarity of America. And it is a rare comedy. There's no, like, sad scene. There's no think about it scene. Mm-hmm. Downer scene. There's one moment where Cleese, like, you see him, he's very upset. Pulling up to a scene, and he's, like, been crying because he's so sad. And immediately... There's no thinking about the, the emotion. Kevin Klein just jumps out of the bushes and starts chasing him around <laughs> trying to apologize. Oh, I really want to watch this again now. Wow. I can't find it. It's not streaming anywhere. You oh, can shit. rent it online. It's the best $3 you're ever going to spend. I love this movie so much. And so they, they reunited like what? Like 1995? Yeah. Or was Fierce, Fierce Creatures? creatures. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered Fierce Creatures. Okay. And it's got bits that are okay. But this is a freaking masterpiece. Here's okay. Here's where I bust out my my old lady cred though. So this is directed by Charles Crichton, mm-hmm. who was 79 at the time. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah, and he he was an old school British director going way back, and he directed the Lavender Hill Mob, and I think that's why Cleese hired him, and I guess they collaborated on the script. Hmm. So Lavender Hill Mob, which we'll talk about at Classic Corner, is also a heist comedy, and it's really damn good. Crichton gets an Oscar nomination for this. Wow. Mm-hmm. And there's one other comedy that gets nominated. And this is the last time, 30 years ago, that comedies got Best pick, best Director nominations. Wow. Whoa, Since seriously? then, I have found 10 that you could debate. Mm. Like, is Juno a comedy? Yes. yes. <laughs> like, I guess it is, but it also has serious stuff in it. True. Like, is adap- yeah. or not adaptation. Is fi- being John Malkovich a comedy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it also has serious stuff in it. True. This is no seriousness. Right, right. It is a f- pure farce. Yeah. Yeah. The second there's seriousness, someone's going to get thrown out a window. A dog is going to get crushed. Someone's going to start speaking Italian and Jamie Lee Curtis is going to jump him. I was kind of surprised that this was Kevin Klein's first and only Oscar nomination, right? Huh. This is and true. And he won for it. He did he win won? for it. Yeah. Which wow. is... yeah. I mean, not shocking based on his performance, but just shocking because it's, it's Kevin a com- Klein. Comedic. Well, it's a comedic because performance. And it's comedic Pure performance, comedy. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. no one wins. never an emotional scene where he's exactly. like, I'm like this because my dad did blah, 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 blah. Nope. He's just running amok the whole time. When was the last time anybody won an acting Oscar for comedy? For pure comedy? Yeah, I cannot recall. There's, there's some that's debatable, like Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountains, mostly funny. Oh. But she has I a dramatic I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's mostly the comic relief. Mm. Well, but then she has a big dramatic scene about and she's crying about, don't they understand the blah, blah, blah. And you're like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, Diana, you just really proved to me the value of film criticism, to be honest, because I don't love this movie um, mm. oh. at all all um she's a little but, younger diana she probably had it forced on her well and i <laughs> actually it, it know too silly yes and so uh. my my theory is i've thought about this over time is that 
there are your comedy is really influenced by your parents, I think, growing up. Mm. If you have parents who are engaged, and my parents are not Monty Python people. Mm. They cannot stand Monty Python, and I do not connect with that sense of that kind of humor really at all. I think because Mm. I just wasn't exposed to it at an early age. I think I've talked at length. We were a Seinfeld family. It's kind of a different thing. And so, like, watching this movie, I just did not love it. But Uh. you're... Everything you just said makes me want to go back and rewatch it through the lens that the John Cleese lens that you just laid out for us because I think that changes things. I think that would change things for me. So huh. thank Yay. you. Yay! Hooray <laughs> for criticism. Yeah, it's important. I mean, I'll go out on a limb and call this. I think this movie's funnier than Monty Python. I mean, I would believe that. <laughs> a lot of Monty Python, yeah. yeah. Against the movies or against the show? That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I grew up I know. with a taste Not for a Monty Python. No, no, no. I, I grew up watching it, and my parents, you know, that were big PBS supporters and had mm-hmm. no cable. I was watching a ton of Monty Python and loving it, but it was something I, so, like, along with Douglas Adams, I just sort of grew out, grew out of. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a pretty silly sentence, but yeah. that's not really a joke. And this is all this is. And right. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's, this, let me put it this way. This movie is so funny, it killed a guy. <laughs> that is true. Tell me more. Uh, a guy, I want to say, he was like a, a doctor of some kind, and I think Norway or Denmark, I'm blank, and I actually read up on the story. The scene where Kevin Klein is interrogating Michael Palin by sticking french fries up his nose. <laughs> made this dude laugh so hard he had a heart attack and he died hell yeah it's true this and it was confirmed by his son that like because this isn't just like an urban legend his son was like yeah it was that scene actually we were there this, yeah this like movie reminded him of this other thing that he thought was funny like his son <laughs> put something up his nose yeah it was the combination of the two freaking murdered a man oh. there you go uh. so you know trigger warning this oh. movie could kill you <laughs> also I like to point out this is the second movie we've talked about where someone gets run over by a steamroller and then lives. Roger Rabbit. All right. Oh my God, you're and right. And survives. Which <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember me, Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's Kikaken. Kikaken coming to kill me. <laughs> well, let's let's play this clip because Jesus Christ. I yeah, I had I. I uh, I had like 18 clips, um, and I tried to keep it down. The point where Cleese just starts fighting back finally against Kevin Klein, this exchange just kills me. I mean, Kevin Klein's got a gun on him. He's very, he's ready to kill him. Wants to humiliate him first. You English, you think you're so superior, don't you? Well, you're the filth of the planet. A bunch of pompous, badly dressed, poverty-stricken, sexually repressed football hooligans. Goodbye, Archie. Well, at least we're not irretrievably vulgar. You know your problem? You don't like winners. Winners? Yeah. Winners. Winners like North Vietnam? Shut up! <laughs> we did not lose Vietnam. It was a tie. <laughs> I'm telling you, baby, they kicked a little ass there. Boy, they whooped your hide real good. <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh, yes, they did. oh, no, they didn't. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> oh, no, they did Shut up! <laughs> Goodbye, Archie. You gonna shoot me? Uh, yes. Yes, right so, old chap. Sorry. <laughs> look, Otto, look! Revenge! <laughs> it's kick a kick coming to kick a kill me! <laughs> Are you gonna kick a catch me? Oh, 
me, can. Or uh, earlier, even. If the, the whole time, there's a slowly approaching steamroller. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful yep. sequence. Just clinking along. God damn, mm-hmm. that's fucking um, funny. Can I, based on the movie that we're going to talk about next, I'd like to suggest a theme for these movies in 1988. That is toxic mm-hmm. American masculinity. Hey, don't you look at me when you said that. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Lessons to learn from all of them. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, so moving on. So, I, like I said, Fish Called Wanda, I've been aching to talk about because it, it literally is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I thought this would be the big movie we'd talk about. And I would talk about it for half an hour and everyone would want me to shut up. And it would be the most important thing. <laughs> and then... And it's not even close. <laughs> what does it go up against at the <sighs> box office? Let's hear it. Let's see if people can get it from this trailer. They've got the building. They have already killed one hostage. They've got the odds. They've got his wife. No, no! Now, he's got one night to get it all back. You really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay. Die Hard. Rated R. Die Hard. So good. Unfucking believable So, I fucking love this movie. The, like, the most important action movie of the last 30 years. 100%, yes. Ooh, Ooh really? Yep. All right, all Dude, right. How many versions of Die Hard on a Blank have we seen? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. I was talking about it with your husband the other night that, like, I didn't grow up with Die Hard. Whose husband? Uh, Sarah's, <laughs> not Diana's. I, I didn't grow up with Die I didn't see Die Hard until I already loved Die Hard 3. Ooh, okay. Oh. That's true for me, too, actually. I saw Die Hard 3 first and fell in love with that and then mm-hmm. saw Die Hard. That's, yeah, 100% true. Yeah, so, like, but having to go back and appreciate it to go back and appreciate the first uh, tonally more down to earth version of something I already loved, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll always go to bat for the only negative thing I'll say about Die Hard, and I really fucking hate this. I think fine, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but if you call it your favorite Christmas movie, oh. just say you don't like Christmas movies. Yes, or say you're trying very hard to be an interesting person. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it every Christmas too. I love it. I get it's it. It's fantastic. Yes. Uh, but yes, that's the only that's the only authority I am on. I'm authority on Christmas movies, uh, and Die Hard, yes, is a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got it it's got, it's totally got it's no is. one's I favorite mean, the, Christmas the movie. Test, the test is if you take if it takes place the Fourth of July, is it different? And the answer is yes, yes, because yes. they're having an office Christmas party, exactly. and that puts ex- expectations on people in a different way. It's yes. it's like Christmas cinnamon on a on a tasty coffee, though. Like it's mm-hmm. barely okay. counts. Okay. It barely counts, but uh, like I don't know, I don't know where to start with Die Hard. I really don't. Well, so Bruce Willis was on a show called Moonlighting, uh-huh. yes, and he had made a couple movies, and none of them had really clicked. Just, His last one was Sunset. Remember that was right. the, the Blake Edwards cowboy movie comedy, and everyone went ugh. So he makes this, you know, little actioner that's got no real stars in it. And, and I, I just uh, want to say it's it's. Nobody says the word Die Hard in the movie. That's true. It's just a really cool 80s title. Yeah, it is. and uh, But one that you should not think about it too hard don't. because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes progressively less sense as they title further movies. Yes, 100%. I'm going to die really hard, but with a vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Are you a ghost? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, definitely nobody's. I mean, this is Alan Rickman's first feature film. Is it? Like, first Hollywood feature film? Yeah. Huh. He got to to Hollywood, like, two days before they started filming. That's amazing. Oh, my God. I know. And he's so, so good. Like I He's know. one of the best bad guys ever. I, I mean, it's another one. It's like, how many versions of this bad guy have we seen? This is the reason people say, oh, bad guys in movies are always British. 
Yeah. Well, most of the time they are because they're doing like the Alan Rickman thing of being just sort of above it all, like a fancy sort of fancy man intellectual guy who's just looking down on everyone because he's mm-hmm. so much smarter and he's got this super evil plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jeremy Irons does it and with a vengeance. Simple assignments mm-hmm. to the pie. I will also, riddles. Also, to its credit, um, movies set in the present, I do not see a lot of people who remember bad guys by name, but mm-hmm. Hans Gruber is That's a word true. I've heard used shorthand for my, like Darth Vader. Oh my God, you're absolutely right. Right? Like, who's the bad guy in Point Break? <laughs> who's, who's, it's Bodie. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. But who's the bad guy in, like, shit, Die Hard 4? Like, but, like, everybody remembers Hans Gruber. That's true. Everybody. It's shorthand that you instantly understand. Well, and I love also that this movie, like, so I looked into a little bit of the background of, like, how this movie came to be, and it actually, like, could have taken a real different turn based on the fact that it was this role was originally offered to Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Did you know this? Yippee ki yay yay! Can you even imagine? Hey. Yeah. So apparently, um, the book that it's based on is a sequel to a Frank Sinatra film from like uh. the sixties. Oh, shit. Called The Detective, and so technically, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> Technically, because this is a sequel, they offered it to Frank Sinatra, and he was like, are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> I'm sure. Some conversation like that happened. And so, yeah, then they were like, well, give it to this young upstart. Yeah, and I just, I just don't know how it turned out so well. Like, like, how was John McTiernan on this much of a fucking role, like, in defining 80s action? I don't know. I just looked up uh, his filmography. It's so much shorter than I thought it was, because right. he's done so many important action movies. But really, it's Predator, Die Hard. Hunt for Red October. No love for Last Action Hero. You know, <laughs> I actually, yes, I do have I some love, love that for movie. Last Action Hero. Uh, and then Die Hard with a Vengeance. And Thomas Crown Affair, which is one of the best remakes ever made. But Rollerball is unwatchable. <laughs> the remake, and, the remake. Yeah, and then he got involved in this weird Hollywood spying thing. And I think he might have gone to jail. Yeah, I think Yeah, I- he was involved in this weird scandal a couple of years back. Um fucking die hard and a die hard john mcclain is kind of my favorite type of hero and i think mm-hmm. the mm. the people who remember that the least are the people who made the last few diehards uh just because yes. he, yeah oh that you, one in russia oh my god right like when you say every man like he that doesn't mean he's indestructible right that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he can survive anything this movie is so awesome because he's like he doesn't have his clothes with him. You <laughs> don't have shoes. He's you not armed, and he's constantly kicked in the dick. Like I think of characters like Jack Burton, or like even like Gary Cooper in High Noon. People that look like they're in constant pain, mm-hmm. but overcoming insurmountable odds. You know, that's another thing that pops up in two movies this week. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in Akira where a guy's pulling shards of glass out of his bare feet. Ooh. <laughs> And I was like, that was the thing, like, in Die Hard, like, at school the next day, people were talking about, oh, it was so gross. Like, yeah, because he's barefoot and, like, in his undershirt this whole time. And yeah. finally, the bad yeah. guys are like, yeah, let's shoot all the glass and fuck him up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just such One a... of the smarter moves on their part. And, uh, yeah. like, like, like all the other Die Hard, just, I, I love a really good one-day problem-solving movie. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. do. Definitely. Yeah, it's, you could almost make it real time. Yeah. It doesn't take that long, and it's in an enclosed space. I watched uh, the Siskel and Ebert review of it mm-hmm. oh, from yeah. the time. Siskel loved it. He loved everything about it. Ebert 
was pissed off at the script because he hated the incompetent cops outside. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but they could, there's a story reason they can't get in. Right. No, he just thought that is bad writing to cover up their other bad writing. And why are they there? Why do they have to be so incompetent? And it's like, because the bad guys are smarter than them. Yeah. I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Like to imagine that these bad guys are that much smarter and also these cops outside have no idea what's going Mm -hmm. on like literally no idea how could they know setting up those giant lamps is a bad idea (laughs) and it's it's also one of the last films a film that was released in my lifetime that made a living landmark um, with nakatomi plaza i believe one of the dvds just came in the fucking nakatomi plaza that's (laughs) amazing it's it weird. Is this a real building? It's a real it's, building. It's owned by Fox, right. so I know people who have like gone to meetings there and stuff. I, and they're like, they come around the corner. And it's like, oh fuck, it's Nakatomi Plaza. Right. <laughs> I know so many people who work in LA who be like, oh shit, it's that building. Everything I'm doing there is gonna suck. <laughs> like they, when you start to hate, oh, I hate going to Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, well, it was still being built at the time that they filmed it, which. Mm-hmm. Is- that's why all the construction stuff, that's all real. <laughs> they did not, mm. Yeah, it was it makes not it a easier finished to building. Shoot off a ton of explosives on the roof if yeah. there isn't that much roof. Precisely. Yeah, I, I, I meant to look into that actually, Di. Like, how did critics receive this? Because this did, I don't remember like everybody unanimously loving this movie. It just floated to the top after each successive decade. Like, everybody <laughs> still loves Die Hard. And I think part, part of that is, without a doubt, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Like, at his yeah. most charming, yes. just perfect Bruce Willis. And I cannot yep. wait for him to get roasted for that Comedy Central thing. I'm oh, excited about I, I don't love the roast. <laughs> and I am super excited about this one. Oh, I, I love people being mean to one another for charity. <laughs> love it. Love it. Anything else we can say about Die Hard? This, oh, we're not even right. out of the movie section yet. I mean, as much as Ebert was pissed off about the bad writing, it, you watch it again and contemplate how the story moves forward. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. is a very well-constructed script, yeah. screenplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots yeah. of respect there. Fucking crazy. Um, but that's that's not every single segment of this show will have one of my favorite movies of their respective decade. <gasps> Once again. Yes. Once again, but oh, now I have to be the one to drag it into fucking television. Uh, I hate myself. Uh, television in 1988, July 13th and 19th. Spoiler, it sucks. Uh, it's not a coincidence. Dirty Harry 1 is airing on CBS right now probably to play into the hype of uh, The Deadpool, which is out now in theaters. I hope they didn't sanitize the line, you jive-ass bastard. God damn. Uh, Diana found this. I, was, I, wa- I found an old trailer for it. A movie called Out of Time airs on NBC about a man who travels 100 years back in the past to solve a future murder and to solve right. a crime with his great-grandfather, who was also played by Bill Maher. Um, oh, my <laughs> Lord. Yeah. This was a, a failed pilot that they just dumped as a movie because it's the summer and who gives a shit? Wow, that's a, that you described it pretty fucking accurately. Yeah. I, didn't, I did not know that, but it reeks of something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, do they have a rapport. Um, and I couldn't believe this. On July 17th, Discovery begins its annual event, Shark Week. I can't <gasps> believe it's that old. That's I thought awesome. it was way younger. But it it is it remains the longest running television event in cable TV history. Oof! And you know wow. I'm super conflicted about Shark Week because, well, growing up on the coast, I love all oh. things the Gulf, the ocean. I'm like Blue Planet. Like I love all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. However, you know Jaws plus 
Shark Week, it has led to like a lot of misconceptions about sharks <laughs> yep. and like a lot of f- unnecessary fear and then a lot of shark killing, um, mm. which has been a real ecological problem. So, yeah, I no, mean, I, I love the idea of Shark Week. I just, and I think now in recent years, the Discovery Channel has tried to put more of a educational aspect into it saying like, mm-hmm. hey, no, we shouldn't be freaking murdering right. these like kind of insane amazing creatures that you know all over the world and the benefits of sharks As, i guess like i don't have like a i don't have like a religion or an overall philosophy but i'm a huge planet of the apes fan mm-hmm. so i like to treat all animals like they'll eventually become sentient one day and put me on trial mm. and <laughs> so, so crimes against sharks yeah when you look at sharks like they really gin up like fear of sharks when I think like more people die underneath Coke machines every year exactly. than in shark attacks. Yes, exactly. And so I'm like kind of now turned into like a shark defender, even though, you know, I don't know. I mean, Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time, probably. Mm-hmm. And I think later this summer, we may be talking about some oh, shark yeah. movies. We'll on be Laser there day time. one for the Meg. I'm so excited about the Meg, y'all. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, Shark Week. Yeah. I, I hate to pimp other podcasts, mm-hmm. but because it's a limited series, Inside Jaws. Oh, from Wondery, our pals at Wondery. Great. From our pals from Wondery, mm. I already raved and raved about Inside Psycho back in mm. the day. Inside Exorcist was also really good, but Inside Jaws going into like the 1916 shark attacks that inspired the book, that inspired the movie, and going into Spielberg's whole background. Mm. It's so good. Yeah, highly recommended. And, and I it- love sharks because I think they're kind of <laughs> like crocodiles and that they've just sort of hit the end of evolution and they're perfect. Yes, agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And also, have you ever seen a hammerhead shark? What the fuck? What is that? Like I've they're seen amazing. one in person, like on the beach, just being like, Oh, I'm standing on the shore. And what is is that an alien? Nope. It's just a hammerhead it's, shark. How is that a thing that exists? Time, every time you see like a, a like anthropomorphized one for like a kid's toy, I'm like, Yeah, that really does exist. There's what? a hammerhead shark. It's insane. It looks like a, a Del Toro creation because it does. I- it truly does. <laughs> There's no reason evolution should do that. Uh, you just have to be a visionary filmmaker. Um, Jesus. Uh, but Shark Week, baby. It's back this year. Uh, only notable thing. we I remember we worked at, I worked at this uh, entertainment website. And we wanted to make a whole... We wanted to do fucking Shark Week, too. But then you have to... Occasionally, you kick it up to the ad people. I'm like, see if you can sell Discovery Channel like to sponsor our video game Shark Week. Hmm. Um, and, and they couldn't. But we also admitted to them we were going to do it, violating the copyright of Shark Week. So we created the Week of Shark. Nice. And, and thus began uh, me and Diana's husband uh, obsessing over Jaws Unleashed, one of the only games where you play a murderous shark. Uh, Wait, you play as the shark? You play as the shark. Ooh, okay. You shoot, you shoot flaming, ba- you, you spit flaming barrels at scientists, you sure. eat people. It's fucking wonderful. Of I'm into Maybe that. The best part is when you, you eat someone who's got a key card so you can like open a door. <laughs> You've got to wave them in front of the door for a second, and I then the door will open. I feel like mm-hmm. that happened in Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. Also, real quick to go back to one of our laser times with the mm-hmm. when animals attack, and you talk. Yes, you had a friend in elementary school that was attacked by an alligator. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had a friend in elementary school who was attacked by a shark. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Florida so, life. Well, what exactly happened? Um, he lost a lot of blood. <laughs> And what, he gets it in the leg, the arm? I think it was his arm. I mean, it was a nibble, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, he's he's okay, you guys. Mm-hmm. Everything's okay. But yeah, I mean, he was like waiting in the like shallows, which is generally when it happens, mm-hmm. at dusk, which is feeding time. <laughs> and yeah, he got a little chomp taken out of him. Oh, my God. 
Never, never. It's freaking me out right now. I can't even think about it. I always have to make sure there's like one kid swimming ahead of me. So me you too. I do. I do uh, kind of do that at the future. And and that is it. Not it for television, both in terms of thirty twenty ten and the week. Uh, in a three-channel world, every single one of them is covering the Democratic Convention. So there is nothing to watch at night except the Democratic Convention. That is it. No games of uh, 1988. we got to close out 1988 altogether. Uh, and let's do that with a little bit of music, because The Flame by Cheap Trick is still number one. We have new releases in 1988, July 13th to 19th. We have uh, Let It Roll by Little Feet, Temple of Low Men by Crowded House, and uh, Wide Awake in Dreamland uh, by Pat Benatar, which includes All Fired Up. And that will take us out. And please stay with us, people. It doesn't get any less interesting as we head into You know, 30, 20, tenors, even when you're trying to maintain a healthy diet, it can be hard to get the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. I know I personally try and eat healthy. I love my veggies, but I constantly forget that fruit exists. That's why there's vitamins that can fill in the important gaps that your body is missing from your diet or give you an extra boost where you need it. And that's where Care Of comes in. Because Care Of, as in take care of yourself, is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. And you find folks can get 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins by visiting takecareof.com and entering promo code T3. That's T3, like shorthand for Terminator 3. I did, and Care Of has a fun and awesome online quiz that makes it really easy to figure out what vitamins and supplements you need. I ended up with Kana for anxiety and insomnia, and something called Ashwagandha to boost my immune system, among other things. You can take the quiz too, and, and get recommendations that are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutritionists. You'll then receive a 30-day supply shipped right to your door. Even better, Care Of costs about 20% less when compared to similar brands at local drug and health food stores. So if you're into healthier living and saving money, Care Of may be for you. And remember, for 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code T3 at checkout. Anybody remember when this song was new? Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. Well, the Lego Movie 2 trailer knows. Uh, that <laughs> it sounds... remembers when it was new. And then, then they say, that song is 20 years old. And now it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that that's one of the few songs that like, this song has never gone away. Yeah. It's, yep. it's in commercials. It's on the radio every time I get in a vehicle. It's everywhere. It's never disappeared. Holy mm-hmm. shit. That's how it's racist because... America is. <laughs> it's because Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys out this week is a fucking great album. Yeah. I still I still attribute it to 
casual racism of white America loves the Beastie Boys enough to put it on new rock stations. Sure. As opposed mm-hmm. to as opposed to black rappers. Eminem gets to be on uh, on ra- rock radio. Anyway. That's true, but at the same time, the Beastie Boys are a bunch of Jews who are constantly shouting out, fuck the KKK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually difficult. Every time I hear the song, I'm like, yeah, fucking Beastie Boys. The world's all right. <gasps> We lost one. I totally forgot him. Yeah. We're not going to hear any more Beastie Boys. Too, yeah. Because you just hear them every day through <laughs> just yeah. going through your normal business. It's true. You can hear the Beastie Boys a thousand ways accidentally. But mm-hmm. man, Hello Nasty is out this week, July 13th through the 19th uh, in One of my roommates played this over and over and over mm-hmm. to the point where it doesn't sound like separate songs to me. Like I, I started to listen to it again like to remind myself. And it's like, to me, it's just one long rock opera. It's just yeah. an audible movie for for Diana. I she would just hit, like hit play on the CD player and it would just go. Uh, one of the guys Sarah used to date did that to me. And I never so want to hear Hello Nasty no. again. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I just, I've heard it more than, than albums I do love. So like, <laughs> uh, it's, but it's undeniable. I, I think this is one of the highest selling albums of all time. Like if not the Beastie Boys highest selling album. That probably can't be considering how well their legacy albums sell. Uh, but yeah, this this was huge. Hello Nasty, that's out this week, overshadowing everything else, including um, <laughs> Black Music by Chocolate Genius, Counting Crows live album Across a Wire, The Band Geek Mafia by Voodoo Glow Skulls, Flowers by Ace of Bass, uh, NORE by uh, Noriega, Orange Avenue by Seven Mary Three, Phantom Power by The Tragically Hip, and Where Your Road Leads by Trisha Yearwood. But not even the Beastie Boys are powerful enough. To knock out Brandy and Monica. Okay, so this week in 2018, mm-hmm. Brandy like was playing a concert and threw shade at Monica. Apparently, oh, really? they have had a beef for years about this song, and so yeah, uh, well, like which one owns the boy? The boy is theirs. There you <laughs> go. Uh, my dog obviously has an opinion about this. He yeah. really does. <laughs> Monica was a saint. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, Brandy has been changing the lyrics when she performs it live to say "this song is mine." Ooh, I think Ooh, there's. Girl. I mean, there's a probability like those two never fucking met. They might have never met. I don't know the story behind uh, the boy is mine. We don't have to talk about it, given the nature of the show. Mm. We should have brought that up weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> even though I, I'm pretty sure "Boy Is Mine" will remain on or around the charts for some time. Oh um, yeah, months. It's gonna be around for fucking months. Whew. We're still talking about it, apparently. Yeah, and uh, 1998. Let's get you, let's settle in with a little bit of news. Di, can you just rattle off this news? I have no idea who these people are. Okay, so <laughs> July 17th, Czar Nicholas II and his family are interred in St. Petersburg, 80 years after their murders at the hands of the Bolsheviks. That's Nicholas, Alexandra, Alexei, Anastasia, who was dead. Sorry, folks. No. But uh, yeah, so it's the de- the deposed Czar and his family uh, were taken out. And just murdered, even though it was, you know, a bunch of kids mostly. Ooh, Jesus. Yep. So they finally, they were like thrown down a well at some point. Yeah. So they, they found their bodies to DNA and gave them decent burials. And do I have to read the next one too? Do you want to do it? Okay, I'll read the next one too. <laughs> do all the so war crimes. Tell, I did some research. So uh, also on July 17th, 120 countries signed the accord to create a permanent international criminal court to prosecute war crimes. They finally get started in 2002, and they have indicted 39 people, including Uganda's Joseph Kony, Sudan's Omar al-Bashir, who's the only one been charged with genocide so far, and Mali's Ahmad al-Faki al-Mahdi, who destroyed a bunch of World Heritage sites in Timbuktu, and they actually managed to catch him and put him in prison. Well, Usually they just indict these guys in absentia, and nothing happens. 
But hmm. it's a good try. Well, I can't believe I have to transition into a straight-to-video Dennis the Menace after that. I um. mean, if anyone should be tried for international yes. crimes. It's Justin Cooper. He's You're no menace. Jay North. Um, July 13th to the 19th, we got a bunch of movies to talk about here. Uh, some more notable than others. Dennis the Menace Strikes Again. I have Look, I grew up on Nickelodeon when they had no original programming, so I've endured a lot of Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked too much on this show about the Phil Hartman starring Dennis the Menace cartoon, the direct adaptation of Hank Ketchum's uh, comic strip that is still uh, still in newspapers. But I did not see this. As, as much as I like the Walter Matthau, Christopher Lloyd, Dennis the Menace, which I really did. I watched that a ton. Uh, but this is the straight-to-video sequel. And I, Don Rickles is Mr. Wilson. Oh, really? I imagine an R-rated version of that. <laughs> oh, man. You little putz. That, is, that kid's a putz. He's a piece of shit. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, I would 100% watch that. <laughs> I got it. It's got to be weird for Don Rickles having like been around when the TV show was on. Like, Do you ever think you'd grow up and play that old man? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Don Rickles, R.I.P. Uh, also this week, Polish Wedding, which I guess I can... Go take a pee break while you guys talk about this one. Uh, Gabriel Byrne, Claire Danes, and Lena Olin. Here's a little bit of the trailer. From the heart of an American city comes a story about husbands and wives. What is it? You speared me with your toenails. They're like daggers. Brothers and sisters. That's in the quick crying. You can't stop crying. You just realized you're his father. Fathers and daughters. You and I are sensitive creatures, my love. Daddy. What the fuck? Why are Claire Danes and Gabriel Byrne married? Yeah, that, they're <laughs> not. A little not. too close. Daughter. Oh, God. Okay, that's sorry. So here's the thing. I, I remember the title. I know I've seen this movie. But for some reason, I saw this trailer a thousand times. And I'm trying <laughs> to figure out why. Was it on a VHS that I watched a lot? Right, Did it just run in front of every independent movie? Because the second I saw a Polish Wedding, I was like, "Oh, I remember that. Your toenails are like daggers." <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna place a bet here. I'm gonna be real specific, like Doctor Joy's brothers on this week's episode of Laser Time. Yeah, it is from a previously viewed blockbuster copy of Ever After. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, it's a Fox movie. I'm just, I'm gonna state my reputation on it. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a fine little independent family drama about this Polish family and uh, Claire Danes is supposed to do the something something at the church and it's a job that's only virgin is supposed to do and it turns out she's not just not a virgin but she's uh, pregnant by Sam Rockwell and there's family drama family drama see this is one of those movies I title in my head um, this would be better off as a European play part five uh, <laughs> what <laughs> it clearly looks like one of those family comedies that takes place in one house and mm. meh yeah besides yeah. okay it's oh, fine. There's, there's, man, there's a much better movie to talk but, about. But yeah, there's, there's just... things that could take place in in one room, and it would be disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite comedies of the entire decade. Let's see if you can get it from the trailer clip. First, right? He couldn't help it. Hi, it's Ted. I haven't seen you since uh, since senior prom. <laughs> How's everything? Oh, that's fine. Strong like blue. <laughs> and he couldn't explain it. You hired me to find your girl, and I did. And then the truth is, I, I started to like her. Because there's something about Mary. She's still a fox. Mary's a fox. She's a fox. When a guy who can play 36 holes and still have enough energy to take me and my brother to a ball game. 
I love this fucking movie. I will see. I will watch anything the Fairley Brothers do, no matter how bad. Just because of how much mm. I love this film. And mm. Dumb and Dumber. There's this is also on the AFI's list of top comedies at 27, behind being there and ahead of Ghostbusters. Which is... is ahead, uh, that's uh, right. Ahead which, of fucking Ghost... Are you fucking I'm, kidding me? I'm glad, no. it's, I'm glad it's there, but there's something about Mary is on that list to pretty much let you know the year they wrote it. Uh, but, 2000. Yeah, I am. It was brand new. A yeah, ghast and them. a gog. Because <laughs> you don't like there's something about Mary? No, I don't. Oh, I think the movie's fantastic. I love everything about it. I love its what is it, John the the framing device. Who's that singer? Uh, who? Oh, oh uh, Jonathan Richman. Jonathan Richman. Okay, thank God. I was going to say Jonathan Silverman. Stop myself. Um, <laughs> and yet did it anyway. But uh, it's it's kind of the best thing the Fairley Brothers ever did, in my opinion. Because like Dumb and Dumber is mm-hmm. a great film and this is just like i don't know an apex an apex of what they do really well like a really really amazing comedic performances sometimes from people you don't expect to be funny uh dealing with a lot of <laughs> some well does this have a handicap actor in it they usually use like some kind yeah. of yeah yeah i think he's, he's a guy with special needs yeah they usually just they like meet interesting people who have interesting disabilities and they'll just put them in their movie yeah they it's do it all like, the time he's an interesting guy and and it's not it's not solely for the purpose of mockery. It's like let's let's give this guy all the best lines. <laughs> uh, but there's some I don't know. There's so much about this movie that makes me laugh. Keith David in the film. Yeah, motherfucking David. Is it the Franks of the Beans? <laughs> not, you're, you're laughing. Okay. Come on, come on. There's, some, there's something about Mary. I've even heard people are. It's like a. I wouldn't call it a feminist masterpiece. Oh, um, well, because people okay. like it, everyone is kind of a piece of shit Who? to and around Mary. That right. doesn't make it a feminist mess. No, until until the end, like the, our hero realizes, like, holy shit, I'm one of these assholes. Fuck this, I'm done. And <laughs> who's that actor who plays the pretend guy with cerebral palsy? I forget his Luke name. Luke Evans. So Luke Evans. He's so fucking funny in this. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of somebody else now. I don't know. Everybody turns into really like I didn't think there was anything like super redeemable about Matt Dillon. No. Um, after the outsiders, Lee Evans, but sorry, Luke Evans, someone Luke, else, Lee uh, Evans. Lee Evans, so good in this, and yeah, he hasn't had much uh, American film work really. Mm-hmm. But oh man, he does some great physical comedy. Yeah, but about a, a I don't know, oh, kind yeah. of a lovable loser in Ben Stiller who hires a private investigator to find his old flame, and then everybody ends up becoming a total piece of shit in the face of 1990s Cameron Diaz, which <laughs> yeah, 1990s Cameron Diaz. <laughs> It's just and they exhausting. do portray her as like the perfect woman. Yeah, I love beer and farts. She's just like she's got that cap, cool girl, capital C, capital G, where it's like I just want someone who will fart on me and feed me wings, and I'll just stay a hundred and ten pounds. And I love golf and blah 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 blah. Yeah, I'm just a cipher for men who like are building their dream. I'm just I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I'm got just really your tired. favorite bro in a sexy body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know how you have those special feelings for your favorite bro, but that's weird because you're both dudes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why can't yeah. we get each other off, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Guess no. what? I, you guys, I, you can. Yeah. You yeah. can. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, that's what college yeah. is for. Experiment, man. Fucking slam that shit. So, <laughs> this took a turn. For the, this took a weird fair. turn. Let's up, T. Oh, so I was going to say, I don't care for the Feralies, and I don't care for gross out comedy, mm-hmm. and yet this one works for it, me. It's, uh, it's, I think a lot of it because of yeah, what you were saying is like it knows that the characters are pieces of shit, mm-hmm. and that reveal that, is that safe for later. Actually, makes a difference instead of being like, "Isn't this cool? What he's doing is like no." The whole time, the, the film is like, "No, don't, don't feed that dog meth. What are you doing? <laughs> don't do it." 
And the dog shit. And I mean, obviously, the film is incredibly famous for the hair gel sequence. So it's, yeah. for me, is the first, I, it is the first film I ever saw semen in, period. And like, and after that, it's like. Which defies the laws of physics. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, come on, you gotta be a, bit, a little bit more translucent than that. Otherwise, like, Ben Stiller is super He's potent. ill. <laughs> super <laughs> potent. He needs to see a doctor. Guy has sperm like, like fucking housing cock. <laughs> Can't see through it at all. <laughs> uh, I have one complaint, though. Hmm. I, whenever there is something in a movie that everyone is reacting to because it is so horrific, like him getting the Franks and Beans stuck in the zipper, you never show it. Right. Because what my mind is coming up with is worse than anything you could do. And they do a quick cutaway to what's going on. And no, sorry, my version was still worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's disgusting, their version, but no, mine mine was way worse. Yeah, and my actual version of that involved a little more blood. Like, good for Ben Stiller getting out of that uh, relatively unscathed mm. Franks and Beans. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say it like the character, which is still really fucking funny. I don't know. I like And, and, and one of the reasons I love it is something you'll never have, listener, Possibly. I saw this opening week in theaters. And mm. I hope you have the opportunity to go see comedies and movie theaters with people when they premiere. I just, what comedies have come out this fucking year mm. during the summer? Uh, I tag. Tag. I didn't see Tag. I did see Tag and, and I loved it. But this, this movie brought the fucking roof down. Like yeah. everybody was screaming, howling with laughter. It's it's one of the it's one of the most raucous experiences I've ever had in a movie theater. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree. Like, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago yeah. about experiencing a sporting event in the spirit of sport. Yeah. This yeah. is similar mm-hmm. in that, like, seeing a movie like this in a full theater is fucking magical. Yeah. Like, I did that with Bridesmaids, and I, I had and the, I it was amazing. I remember watching it again, like when it was on video. I'm like, man, they seem to know when to like pause, even though it's not a sitcom. Because they knew there'd be like laughter everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just like Diana said, no one expected to see his dick and balls stuck in a zipper. Like we, the joke was already there. People were already laughing, and then it just it kicked it up to a degree nobody expected because you didn't do that at the time. I don't know. Like it, it, the Fairly Brothers are kind of responsible for that little period of gross-out comedy. They're not. I'm not a huge fan of the scary movie stuff, and mm-hmm. but they did sort of kickstart that movie, showing us, hey, come on, dicks. There wasn't a lot of dicks on screen until comedies. There still isn't. Yeah, there still isn't. Yeah. I mean, forgetting Sarah Marshall is the only one I could think of. Yeah, because it's because of the size. God damn. What's that guy so worried about? No, well, he's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I will totally go to bat for this something about Mary. I really like this movie. Wish we could turn Sarah around on it, but you've probably Sorry. seen it more recently. You guys, it's been a big episode. I've <laughs> turned around on Akira. I've turned around on... <laughs> The fish called Wanda, and oh, I believe it, it like broke records in terms of being an R-rated film because at the time in a pre-Netflix world, like R-rated stuff was like, man, that's the kiss of death. That means no one can go see it, hmm. uh, but people mm-hmm. went anyway. And mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 man, it made it made so much money. It is bizarre it didn't yeah. debut at number one because it stuck around like the top three for the rest of the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and then once it hits VHS and early DVD. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a little while to get to DVD, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was a massive hit on VHS, and I think it was because of those like fourteen-year-olds who weren't allowed to see it in a right. theater. Yeah, right. Word of mouth, man. Like, like the oh, one, yeah. the one cool kid whose parents took him to see it gets to tell everyone about it. Ugh. Yeah, or just people like me. It's like I don't really like gross-out comedy, and people are like, no, 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 no. 
Trust me on this one. You'll like it. Yeah, there's a dog and that... And I watched it, and I liked it. There's a dog that dies. It's great. A lot of dog death in this episode. <laughs> yeah, another theme. And, and I just like... And I also like just little tip of the hat to anybody who uses... I'm actually doing that for... Yeah, he is. For an audience of no one. Uh, for me. People who use Chris Elliott wisely. True. Yay. And the Fairly Brothers always do. I do love Chris Elliott. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, but that mo- this movie, there's something about Mary was not number one at the box office because this stupid movie was. <laughs> this movie I definitely saw. How can I do what is needed when all I feel is hate? <laughs> I did this. Of TriStar Pictures and Amblin Entertainment. Be careful, Senorita. There are dangers made about. Comes an epic adventure of honorary claims. And the legend reborn. It's only one man. It's not just one man. Damn it. Zorro. No bad. The Mask of Zorro. See, like, I love talking about that. The the yearning that Hollywood had for a superhero movie, but Marvel and DC couldn't get their shit together and license their stuff out fast enough. That's why you have so many public domain. <laughs> <laughs> things like Z- Mask of Zorro coming to theaters. Is this, wait, is this Mask of Zorro? Just the, yeah. It's the yeah. first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The first one. Antonio Bandares, uh and Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta-Jones. So mm-hmm. I don't know if, have I had I seen Entrapment already? I don't know if I was familiar with no, her at all before no, this. No, this nope. this is her her big American debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just yeah. just. And oh. I remember walking through a movie theater to go see something else with my dad, mm-hmm. and w- walking past the stand of of the three of them, and he just stopped dead <laughs> and stared at her. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, she's done it. Yeah, I'm like, yes, yes, she is. Yeah. I mean, she really is. She is. She is a, like a breathtaking. 1990s Lois Lane come off the page like she does, she doesn't look yeah. like a real human exactly uh, in, yeah precisely in the 90s just a beautiful lady yeah I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theaters and mm-hmm. yeah it was just fun and you know actiony great fight sequences I don't know I don't I, think there's too much to hate about this I was just a little bored by it just because yeah. I'd, I'd seen the Zorro story so many times and I thought it was just like like almost like the obvious thing for Antonio Banderas to do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. It was meant to be. Oh, we got a guy with a Spanish accent. Right. Uh, yeah. We have any famous Mexicans he do, can play? Do we still have like 900 Zorro scripts in that drawer? <laughs> we pull one out. No, not Zorro the Gay Blade 2. That's, that's, too, that's perfect already. <laughs> yeah. So I remember really liking this in the theater, and I don't think I rewatched it uh, until I watched it a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I, I yes. absolutely loved it. it so was glad to hear that. So old fashioned, right. In its entertainment, this is easily it could be a movie from from the forties. Yes, yeah. The ban- I remember the banter between the them. The banter is, is so fun, good. Yeah. and it's you know it, it generally it keeps moving. Uh, all the characters are a lot of fun. There's a lot of comedy. Yep. In it, which I didn't remember. Like his first outing as Zorro is just one massive cartoonish failure <laughs> to the point of like. You know, he's got a barrel of gunpowder and the trail is lit and he runs away and it's following him kind of thing. Like cartoon comedy. And I really liked it. I mean, it, like, I, I, when I was... It's directed, also I should say, it's directed by Martin Campbell, who's a great action director. Uh, he did Casino Royale okay, and yeah. uh, GoldenEye. Yeah. Two of my favorite Bond movies. And I just, when I was watching clips of this for the show, I'm like, you know, I'm getting a Douglas Fairbanksy vibe. I bet Diana's going to go to bed for this. <laughs> I bet she is. If anybody swings from a light fixture, it's going to make her think of Errol Flynn. She's going to dig oh it. Oh, my God. There are so many great practical stunts in this, though. There's a point where it's like you, they've, they've got to do like a bucking bronco inside a building, and it's kicking people, and it's knocking down like the walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, that looks really dangerous. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's something to be said for that. I, I just, I remember being bored. And I think that at the time I was kind of bored by most period stuff. I'm not mm. there anymore. Uh, ah, well, I, I recommend rewatching it then. Uh, mm. It's on demand on Stars, which is exactly where it should be. That was the perfect <laughs> place for it. <laughs> uh. well, I'm just glad to know that, yeah, okay, I wasn't totally off. This was a super fun movie. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is very old-fashioned. Yeah. Mm. And I like that. And because we've got all kinds of tie-in themes, uh, Zorro obviously ties into the last movie we'll be talking about later. Mm. About a rich guy who puts on a mask and then fights crime. Oh, damn. No idea what you mean. Can't... Oh, damn. Oh, my God. Please, 302010 listeners, order some food. Like, <laughs> 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 Settle in. Uh, there's so many very fun things to talk about right now. Um, Jesus. I'm going to jump into TV even though I don't want to. Um, TV, 1998, July uh, 13th to the 19th. Oh, baby, say goodbye to Sybil. Uh, oh, no. Sybil's Kaboom uh, is the accidental se- series finale. Oh. Uh, ends with an explosion and a to-be-continued sign, and it and it wasn't. Oh, uh, it God. was canceled. <laughs> uh, it was canceled on a cliffhanger, uh, which I think... Did we do a laser time about that? Things that were canceled? I can't remember. But yeah, it's, it, I do think that's tragic for people who were fans of the show. Uh, that there's this completely unresolved like murder and love plot at the end of Sybil. I mean, I think that means that we're probably due for the Sybil reboot next year, right? I mean, the way our 90s shows are going. It's like whenever I go to like uh, a foreign country or or like a dirt-ass Florida beach house with no cable and Mm -hmm. like... Same thing. Sybil (laughs) Sybil is on the air places. It only went four seasons. Yeah, dude, I've seen it syndicated in other languages and shit. Uh, I, I don't totally understand it. Oh, has that one lady I like from the birdcage in it. She's really funny. Yeah, Christine. Um, yeah, that's. I, I feel I've always felt bad for Sybil Shepherd on television because she had two shows where she was supposed to be the star, and then her <laughs> co-star stole them from her. Moonlighting, uh, Bruce Willis became the breakout star, and mm-hmm. on Sybil, Christine Baranski just stole every scene. Oh damn, y'all! She shows up in two thousand eight. <laughs> oh just... damn, she does. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, let me let me let me bring uh, bring uh, the little the little fellas back in. Because I wasn't watching Sybil on July 13th. I was watching this premiere. I love the Sybil and Ollie show. It was like right around the time a couple of my friends were getting their own apartment uh, and their own marijuana. And boy was boy was Sifl and Ali fucking perfect. A like literal like sock puppet show. Mm-hmm. Like they are just sock puppets in front of a blue background. And uh, it air it it starts airing on MTV. It starts as a series on MTV America. Uh, Sifl and Ali were created by Liam Lynch and Matt uh, Cro- Croco Croco. I don't know. Uh, but they started out as idents for MTV Europe. So they mm. like the European audience kind of knew and loved Sifl and Ali already. It, they'd been around for about a year, uh, and yeah, this is but this is the debut of the worldwide series Sifl and Ali, and yeah, where I got to enjoy it. Uh, I had a yeah, I, Diana. I had a friend uh, in a band they named Crescent Fresh, <laughs> which was the which was a new term for cool that Sifl and Ali mm. tried to yeah they tried to start their own fetch oh, uh, with Crescent yeah. Fresh. So I felt bad. This was a show I pretty much missed originally mm-hmm. um, because I didn't have cable. I I had bunny ears for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept hearing it was really good. People were saying like, oh, my God, it's like the best thing they've had besides the state. Like it's because it's so surreal. Yeah. I'm like, OK, well, if I ever get to see it, maybe it'll come on VHS. Now, fortunately, you can see some of it online. You got to rent it. But 
it is so weird. The, it's it, it is so Adult Swim before Adult Swim. Yeah, like, totally. I, I can't even explain it. It's so bizarre, but it is so freaking funny. It's 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 intentionally low rent, pretty much improvisational, and uh, yes, and unintentionally and intentionally surreal, like pretty much constantly, Very. but with a bunch of it's reoccurring very- horrible puppets. <laughs> so, yeah, like Precious Roy. Precious Roy, baby. Yeah, and in case they have uh, guest spots on it, I went looking, trying to find the thing. Uh, Michael, my husband, was a huge Ziffle and Ollie fan, and mm-hmm. so he was giving well, me suggestions to see, um, like when they have a robot or when they have Tony Hawk on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's always just it falls apart immediately. Yeah, and, and, and it's odd. The one thing that, that ended up outliving the show, we're going to close out the segment with it, is... Liam Lynch's song, The United States of Whatever, that sort of, like an improvised song that sort of debuts in an episode of Syphil and Ollie, it reached as high as number 10 on the UK singles charts. Well, oh my it, God. It was That's used crazy. in the marketing campaign of uh, Tony Hawk Underground. If you know Tony Hawk, one of the Tony Hawk games, you have heard this song in commercials. Hmm. Like, there are not DVDs, full DVDs of Syphil and Ollie, yet this song is available on iTunes, on CD, on vinyl, United States of Whatever. It's a fucking fantastic song that I really like. It's two minutes of joy. Um, but that's not what people are here for in television, 1998, July 13th to the 19th. Well, they should be. They should go look up clips on YouTube and stuff. Because it, like an Adult Swim type show, I mean, it's sketch type stuff. Right. So you don't have to sit and watch a whole episode. You can just watch like some fun parts. Right. They did try and reboot it. Uh, a few years ago, right. uh, they've reviewed video games uh, on Machinima, and I think it moved over to Nerdist for a handful of episodes because it is kind of perfect for the internet, but it just mm-hmm. didn't take. And I, I was one of the people not watching it. Uh, yep. But or you can hear the song Omega, which runs like eighteen minutes or something, <laughs> <laughs> but is hilarious. But a wonderfully great stoner show. But again, that's not the draw for television, nineteen ninety eight. No. Sarah and Diana are here for. What everyone else is here for. Yes. To figure out how family matters ends. This is it, people! Pins and needles, man. As Diana labeled Our in the notes. national nightmare is over. <laughs> that, oh, God. Yes. When last we left, Steve Urkel, mm-hmm. he was lost in space. Uh, he's not lost anymore. Mm. He returns a national hero, and it's, who cares? Yes. <laughs> who cares? But just because I love you guys, and I'll never forget the joy that Steve Urkel originally brought into my life. Mm-hmm. is completely sincerely... Here is the last line of Family Matters. Oh, gosh. You get more beautiful every time I see you. Like in a welcome home kiss? On one condition. Well, what's that? That you'll never go into outer space again. Only when we kiss, Larley. Only when we kiss. That's it for Family Damn Matters. It. I was hoping that we would escape the like repeat line for emphasis. Con- yes, or at Damn. least like a wedding, or like, dude, this is this is Family Matters. This isn't fucking around. This is nine seasons. This is more seasons than most shows ever get. Like, give it's us true. I think it deserved a little bit of a better send off. But uh, yeah, that's it. And then Time Cop concludes. There was a Time Cop show. There. Sorry, we should have mentioned it. We're bad at our no. jobs. Yeah, there was a Time Cop show for one season. It yeah. ends. It ends this week. Uh, but to zip back over to cartoons, my big deal. Uh, so, something I sadly missed out on because um, I, I love the What a Cartoon show, not just mm-hmm. the Talking Simpsons sh- uh, show. I mean the uh, the Cartoon Network show that was a showcase for independent animators, like basically make a pilot. Um, and oh yeah, cartoons was Nickelodeon's version of that. 
one of the largest incubators that has ever been made for short-form animation. Um, and it allowed dozens of animators the chance to make over 107-minute cartoons. And I... Through the Frederator incubator, does everyone know Frederator? The they're on Adventure Time. Yeah, they still they still do it. They still offer you tips on how to make a cartoon pilot and how they can help you out. Uh, But yeah, Nickelodeon spearheaded this this amazing thing, and some of the biggest success stories that came out of it were shows like Chalk Zone. My life as a teenage robot, and of course the Fairly Odd Parents. Ah, Uh, but yeah, like it was essentially a pilot program, and uh, I went. I was at this awesome Looney Tunes lecture recently, and like it was. The lecturer was like, I was supposed to conclude this with like, and then the Looney Tunes fell, fell away and nobody ever loved them again. And it was like, but just yesterday, and I'm like, I never saw this. Just yesterday, Warner Brothers announced a program that's basically the same thing, but with the Looney Tunes. Like, animators can do whatever they want with these characters, and they, they pitched 1,000 new minutes wow. of Looney Tunes animation. But it's gonna, it, it might end up being batshit insane. <laughs> well, I think that's... <laughs> Probably guaranteed. But I love I love short form animation. I mm-hmm. love that shit, and yeah. I especially love this format because it's like on the car- on the what a cartoon side. That's like where Johnny Bravo and Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Laboratory came out of. Like just giving somebody with a vision a shot to make a pilot. Um, and yeah, there should should be more of that. There's so much programming. Mm-hmm. I don't know why more people aren't getting their uh, getting shots like this. But yeah, oh yeah, cartoons debuts this week on Nickelodeon. But if I must keep talking, and I must, this is my job, this is my curse, uh, video games of 1998, you gals are in for a real treat. Ooh, I'm so excited. Because WWF Warzone is out this week. Is that where they get guns and finally shoot each other? (laughs) Diana, you're joking, but you have no idea where wrestling games are headed. Oh, no. Up to and including a car combat game where they all drive vehicles and shoot one another. That's not the point of wrestling. (laughs) It is not the point of wrestling, actually. Like, you'd have to be... a pretty, I don't know, either shitty referee or an amazing WWF referee. Mm. I remember my buddy had the greatest tweet that a WWE referee fired for gross competence. <laughs> 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 Ruins everything. Um, but that's not the biggest game of this week. The biggest game of this week is the long-awaited true sequel to one of Nintendo's biggest first-party games of the uh, Super Nintendo era. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Customize your own machine and race through 20 gravity-defying courses at ridiculous speeds. F-Zero GX. The future of racing is in your hands. Only for Nintendo GameCube. Oh, that's GX, goddammit. I grabbed the wrong fucking clip. (laughs) That's GX for the GameCube. But F-Zero X for the Nintendo 64 is out. F-Zero... If you were a little kid, there's a whole generation of people who got a Super Nintendo and F-Zero being a launch game, you would find, you would assume F-Zero is synonymous with the Nintendo brand. They've made like three F-Zero non-portable games in our entire lifetime. And Nintendo doesn't, seems to not like the F-Zero series because unlike their other racing series, Mario Kart, it's not all that inclusive. It's pretty hard. Uh, But this one had multiplayer in it. On, on the Nintendo 64, which is running off a shitty cart and going through, not, not necessarily like an RF channel, it, this ran at 60 frames a second in 1998. Like, no wow. other, not a lot of other uh, Super Nintendo games did that. And you don't even have to be a game fan, ladies, to understand this. When you were done with all the tracks, there was one track mode that just randomly generated a track. You, when you thought you'd memorized everything, you could just play the game as new over and over and over again. Hmm. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, it was really, really cool. I love F-Zero X, um, and I would ooh, I would love to see that ported to maybe the Switch or something like that. Come on, guys. Where's that virtual console at? Uh, but that's it for the games this week. Um, Sarah's going to tell you about some books. Yeah, so 
This is, uh, I think, only... This is the New York Times Fiction bestseller this week. I think it was only there for one week, but oh my God, I love this book mm-hmm. so much. It's called I Know This Much Is True by Wally Lamb. Hmm. And he, um, this is also an Oprah's book club book, so oh, don't man. let that scare you off. But this is like a humongous, sprawling novel that goes through a little, goes a little bit through time, but basically follows two identical twins. Um, one just living his life, and the other one has paranoid schizophrenia and uh, fairly, stu- like fairly um, early in the novel, the. Uh, twin who has schizophrenia cuts off his own arm in a public library in protest of the uh, war in the Middle East, and then it, it gets worked. and then it gets weirder from there. Ooh. So it's fantastic. Wally Lamb is one of my favorite authors. He also wrote She's Come Undone before this one, which is a great book, and then after that he followed this one up with um, The Hour I First Believe which is also fantastic. Hopefully I'll be talking about that in a couple of years. But uh, <laughs> if I don't, you guys, God forbid. check it out. Check out this book. I know I recommended the Harry Potters for your summer reading, but this is also a great summer reading book because like I said, it's sprawling. The characters are very uh, well realized and deep and there is a lot to uh to chew on in this book definitely uh sarah i'm gonna pick this book up while i'm replaying f0x do it just enjoy the hell out of it do it, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but that is that concludes our 1998 segments baby we get to close out with uh sif Lenali's united states of whatever i cannot wait uh, and you just stick around too because we're gonna talk around we'll talk about the best batman movie of all time why tease it it's the dark knight Later, I'm I'm at the pool hall, and this girl comes up, and she's all like, "Uh," and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of july 13th through 19th i definitely got some recommends and we got a really really weird coincidence here how we've been tying everything together in this episode this is crazy okay so let me get to it my first recommend uh this week 50 years ago this week july 17 1968 saw the release of the beatles yellow submarine movie which is so great it is trippy as hell. It's very psychedelic. I think kids would probably like it too, because I mean, there's lots of music and stuff, but I saw this in a theater once where people brought their kids and I will never forget the look on this kid's face when they walked out and his mom was like, so what did you think of that? And this eight-year-old looked like, I can see through time. It's just, it's a lot of fun, whether you're high or not. I totally recommend Yellow Submarine. And then, like I also said with uh, Fish Called Wanda, the director Charles Crichton also directed The Lavender Hill Mob from 1951, which I will definitely recommend. If you haven't seen Alec Guinness in anything besides as Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're missing out on one of the great careers of all time. But The Lavender Hill Mob is legitimately fun and funny, where Alec Guinness plays sort of a 
mild-mannered public servant type guy who comes up with this really, really clever robbery scheme. And in typical fashion, things go right, things go wrong, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, since we've been mentioning where things sit on lists, uh, the BFI listed this as the 17th greatest British film of all time. Also, uh, Audrey Hepburn pops up for a second in the beginning, right before her career took off. It's weird. But then, to tie everything together, 75 years ago this week, 1943 saw the first film version of Batman. It was a 15-part serial from Columbia Pictures. It's mostly about Batman fighting really, really racist Japanese stereotypes. It's not really worth watching. But <laughs> I think it's amazing that 75 years, almost to the day, we get the first Batman, and then 75 years later, we get the best Batman that we are about to talk about. So those are my recommendations for this week. Yellow Submarine, Lavender Hill Mob, both so much fun. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Where y'all at? Bringing the end to 2008 is Nas. Uh, Hero, it's off of Untitled, which is out this week. Uh, speaking of new music releases for 2008, we've got White Noise by The Living End, American Idol's Ace Young self-titled debut, uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told by David Banner, uh, Stay Positive by The Hold Steady, Live, Death, Love, and Freedom by John Mellencamp, and Around the Bend by Randy Travis. Uh, Kissed a Girl by uh, Katy Perry is still number one, and I don't care if you liked it. Um, Jesus, God damn it. This is such a crazy week for 302010. That Every time I found something new, I was like, oh, it was July 2008. Well, let me check the date. Oh, God, it's all going in the same episode. <laughs> we didn't even plan on like a category for this kind of stuff. Exactly. What do you classify? Well, we're going to throw it in the news. July 15th, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog is released. Jesus Christ. I just watched this again. <laughs> Recently, <laughs> how even do you classify it? <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't. Musical. I th- want to say this is like one of the first big like. Holy shit! Apple has an exclusive. You can buy a new Joss Whedon joint, and if, yeah, Josh, uh, Doctor Horrible sing along blog is just what like a. It's a three part altogether. It's forty five minutes. Doogie Hauser is live blocking being a supervillain, mm-hmm. uh, and it's also a musical. Mm-hmm. It please buy this the DVD. Is... The commentary. Yeah. There's also a musical commentary on the DVD. Yeah, you get a whole second musical yeah. if you watch if you get the DVD, and mm-hmm. this whole second musical is really good too. So we this do the is... weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, how you had an episode about strikes on Laser Time yes, and yeah. the fallout from strikes, and we. Just we've gotten over the writer strike of two thousand eight at this point, but this is some of the fallout. This is one of the good things that happened. I think okay. strike was going on. That's right. Joss Whedon had nothing to do, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he decided, let's put on a show. <laughs> let's put on a show for the nice people. Love it. I'll get my friend Nathan Fillion and Felicia Day and mm-hmm. uh, Neil Patrick Harris and maybe that guy from uh, Big Bang Theory, even though it's not not in the air yet. <laughs> and a horse. And bad horse. He's bad. Uh, the thoroughbred He's of the sin. Thoroughbred of sin. <laughs> I I fucking love this, mm. and I remember we were, I was watching something with a friend Neil Patrick Harris, and I was just like I started singing Doctor Horrible. She looked at me like I was insane. I was like, we will remedy this immediately, mm-hmm. and I bought it again on Amazon. I bought this thing like four times. 
Uh, I love it. It's charming. It's it's definitely very 2080. Yeah. Like uh, because it's clearly like shot almost guerrilla style. Mm-hmm. It's not oh, yeah. it's not the best camera. It doesn't it doesn't do well in HD. But it's so fucking charming. And it's so short. It's like especially if like he's a type. Like me, who likes to get drunk alone and fall asleep watching something. Why not yeah. something that's 45 minutes instead of 90? Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, like it was done during the strike. And the way they talk about it, and they never really talk about specific numbers. Like they did it without a studio and everybody got a cut of shit. So it's like, yeah, it just made a ton of money. There's no studio in between to take all of it. Mm-hmm. So everybody did really well off of Dr. Horrible. I love nice. it. I mean, I love that sort of idea of like mm-hmm. fuck the man we're just gonna right. put on a musical it feels like the plot to an 80s movie yeah yeah or a fucking the Muppet show yeah exactly <laughs> and I mean it's Neil Patrick Harris before he's kind of become a caricature of his charming self he's still like oh, super burn. charming sorry <laughs> MPH you're still my first love as Doogie but um, he's still like super charming and I don't know like I, I never really made this connection but I feel like you know Neil Patrick Harris might have like a big hand in like bringing maybe a new younger generation of people to musicals through stuff like this because um, How I Met Your Mother Mm -hmm. also did at least one musical episode um, that I can recall and put out like a musical album that was like, you know, with songs based on the story, which is like, you know, that's what a fucking musical is. And so I'm sure that was Neil Patrick Harris is doing. believe with like... I believe he said no formal training. He has no yeah. musical theater background or training. I think oh so. God, I but he excels at it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was born to do it. Yeah. And I love the, the story because I have watched commentary, the musical. I do have this on DVD. <laughs> that, uh, they said that Nathan Fillion Prince just walked in and said, oh, okay, I'm going to record my songs. That's cool. I've never sung before. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and he does a pretty good job. Stand back, everyone. Mm. I fucking ah, love this so much. <laughs> you have to see Dr. Horrible. Seriously, of anything. Like, I'm pretty sure, like... No one's protecting this thing. It's out there for free everywhere. It's 45 minutes of your time. You'll just, it'll just put a nice smile on your face, and, and you'll be able to sing songs with us. Because, mm-hmm. uh, man, these should be on every karaoke machine. It's a brand oh, new yeah. day, and you're gonna die. I wanna... Guess what I think we should go out with. Oh, please. I'm, I'm totally down. Just whatever, whichever song you want. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stay tuned for that, people. As if we didn't have enough to fucking tease. This movie list is ridiculous and pointless. Mm-hmm. Why was anybody releasing a movie this week? <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. Wow. All right. Let's just blow, blow through a couple of these. Right, yeah. right. Even though I think Sarah went to the trouble of watching one or two of them. Um, <laughs> okay. So, Felon with Stephen Dorff and Val Kilmer. Yes. One movie released July 13th through the 19th mm-hmm. in 2008 and moving. <laughs> yeah. And and by all reports, it's it's okay. It's mm-hmm. a small indie movie where Stephen Dorff uh, kills a guy accidentally and then goes to jail and stuff. I think, But I think in hindsight, people were fired for releasing a movie this week. <laughs> yes. You should have been. Some of these movies, well, yeah. Well, except for one one big one, which is totally yes. counter-programming. A hundred percent. Oh, my God. It's pretty yeah. insane. So, good, the Bad, and the Weird in South Korea. Mm-hmm. I have been trying to find it. I'm going to watch this because uh, it is a Korean Western set in China during World War II. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I've always wanted to see this. I'm on board. Uh, the Girl in the Park with Sigourney Weaver and Kate Bosworth. Uh, uh, some sort of woman's picture type drama. Oh, pass. <laughs> uh, Space Chimps. Big spoiler for the game <laughs> section. <laughs> the animated movie Space Chimps starring Cheryl Hines, Stanley Tucci, Keenan Thompson, and Andy Samberg. 
No one saw it. Oh, too uh, Sarah watched. I think it's it's got a couple of, like direct to DVD sequels. Um, every review I saw was like, "Dude, you guys were fucked by Wally coming out before you because you look like shit compared to Wally." <laughs> oh, you think that's what space looks like? You're an idiot. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> Uh, Encounters at the End of the World by Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Oh, man. Do I love Werner Herzog so much. Mm-hmm. And Thank he's you. one of those... <laughs> he's one of those guys that, like, I actually came to enjoy him through his interviews and uh, his personality... Him as a personality almost before I got I, to I his wanted movies. to show the bleakness of Strawberry Shortcake. Yeah. And- <laughs> exactly. It's so great. And I don't know. Encounters at the End of the World... I have to absolutely recommend it as a documentary. Um, Basically, he had a friend who was in Antarctica and would he was doing dives and doing photography underneath the ice of like the different crazy weird animals that are down there and the wildlife. Pulling a James Cameron. Yeah, exactly. And so Werner was intrigued, and he actually. So the story behind how this got made is kind of weird. It was shot in Antarctica as part of the National Science Foundation's Antarctic Artists and Writers Program. Sorry, I had to read that because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Mm -hmm. Basically, he got a grant from the foundation to go down and shoot this film about what's going on down there Mm. in Antarctica, which, I don't know, something I'm kind of curious about. I don't know anybody else like him who bounces back and forth between like a narrative film and then here's a documentary of something I thought was really cool. It's amazing. And the so because he was down there, as a result of this grant from the foundation, he didn't have any minders or anything, which means like he got a lot of stuff on film that generally wasn't released to the public, including science, like wildlife researchers putting a giant seal in a bag to study it, Jesus which Christ. is like a really <laughs> weird thing to watch, but kind of fun. But you know, oh. it's a if you're familiar with Werner Herzog, he is this he, the villain in Jack Reacher, the villain in Jack Reacher, <laughs> yeah. a hilarious uh, in a hilarious episode of Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. and also a great character on Comedy Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. But also, his narration in his documentaries, or at least the ones that I've seen so far, has been just like very personal and existential. And my opening line about do penguins suffer from in in any insanities is a real question he asked a wildlife researcher. <laughs> you have to wonder, do penguins, can they experience space dementia? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the other, I think that penguin has low self-esteem yeah. and social anxiety. <laughs> I mean, I was What like, would a penguin do if it were to succumb to visible panty line? <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, I really recommend this film because it is a mixture of, like, beautiful under-the-ice, like, imagery of, like, the animals that are down there and how surreal and space-like it is, weirdly, mm-hmm. and then Werner Herzog's insanity, and which <laughs> one point he also says... For most of our time here, we had postcard-pretty weather conditions. This was frustrating because I loathe the sun both on my celluloid and my skin. (laughs) I resent the life which it brings. Yeah, which I want to cross-stitch on a pillow because I hate the sun. (laughs) I love the sun. (sighs) Anyways. See it, you guys. It's really yeah. good. And that's that's another, speaking of documentaries. Another doc, uh, Gonzo: The Life and Work of Doctor Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, this should be right up my alley, and I thought I saw it, but I don't remember it. Meaning I, either I didn't, I, or it made no impression on me. I saw it, and I don't remember it. So mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I think I it's can't imagine I, I wouldn't I have seen it. I saw this. it. I thought it was pretty solid. You know, it's a good introduction. My my 
big takeaway from this is I saw it at a very small independent theater and they got a couple of the reels out of order oh my and it god. didn't really make what? a difference. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Like he could still follow it. It's like it's almost better that way because it's jumping around in time and thought. Like, yeah, that works. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, well, can someone take Mamma Mia for me? Because that's oh. out this week as well. Mamma Mia is mm-hmm. a film about love, romantic love, that's made by virgins for virgins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the old, the best way to explain this. I don't know anything about this. But it's like 10 years to the day of it getting a sequel prequel. I know. Yeah. With Cher. Which, by the way, is supposed yeah. to be what the next Die Hard movie is. What? It's half Bruce Willis sequel, half... Half Cher? Half... I hope she's in the... <laughs> In the prequel portions, because a young John McClane makes me want to vomit on my Mm, own penis. Okay, back to Mamma Mia, speaking of. Um, Okay, so this is one that I did the research. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. So I watched it. It's very fluffy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is so light and fluffy. I almost want to go back with a stopwatch, because I'm pretty sure there's more singing than dialogue by, like... At least twice as much singing as dialogue. Yeah. They crammed in so many songs. It's like, okay, I figure they're going to get all the big ABBA songs that I know. And then there's like a whole bunch. It's like, I don't even think I know this it's, one. And it so. takes a lot to get to an ABBA song you don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is just a jukebox musical. It started out on stage. Um, and it just, they someone got the bright idea to turn it into a movie. And I don't get it. What does I, ABBA have to do with like Italy and shit? Well, it's Greece, first of all. <laughs> but yeah. Greece ain't Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the story is basically that Amanda Seyfried, the most beautiful stingray in the world, uh, <laughs> she looks like a be- speaking a hammerhead shark. She kind of looks like <laughs> right. Her. her eyes are like really far apart. I refer, but she she's does. She looks like gorgeous. that girl's avatar in Ready Player One. Yeah, I call her the beautiful stingray, Amanda Seyfried. I love her so much. Anyways, she lives in Greece on a Greek island with her mother, Meryl Streep. Never knew her father. And she's about to get married, so she reads her mother's diary from, you know, before she was born and finds three men who could possibly be her father, and she invites all three of them to her wedding, and hijinks ensue. And the three men are Pierce Brosnan, Colin Firth, and Stellan Sarsgaard. Mm. And who would you choose? Ooh, Who's oh your my god. Mm. Fuck, Mary That's... kill. This is a hard one. Yeah. Ooh, Pierce gosh. Brosnan. It's easy. It's easy. Really? I don't know. I just watched Kingsman again and like I don't Colin, know. Firth, Colin I love Firth. Yeah, I, I love don't know. Colin Firth. I don't know. I think Colin Firth would be my Mary. Mm. Yeah, and then maybe Pierce Brosnan is my fuck, and Stellan Skarsgård's my kill I mean, because he's been in a bunch of like weird movies. And well, he, he was the bad guy in the Lars girl von, with the dragon if you tattoo. Spend time with Lars von Trier. I probably don't want to spend time with you. <laughs> right? So. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Anyways, I mean, yes, it's very fluffy. I don't know. I can't recommend this movie and i love musicals and i don't hate jukebox mu- musicals but i can't mm. yeah sorry I, I don't know i guess i it would kind of be a light recommend for me mm-hmm. like if you really want something that is just fluffy and charming and you're not having to think about like first of mm-hmm. all pretty much everyone involved looks like they're having fun yeah which always helps the locations are absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. um yeah meryl streep is bouncing around having a grain old grand old time this is the highest grossing movie in britain ever wow really it beat ever? titanic wow oh my lord and it just it only got knocked off by force awakens wow <laughs> yeah this and, made 
all the money in the UK. They love ABBA. I get it. And I can see why you could still recommend it, even if you don't. Because it's, it's not like it's a very well represented genre. Like if no, I mean yeah. that's true. But I mean it. But it also has a sequel that's about to haunt and bother us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. The singing is not good. I wouldn't say there are any good singers in this cast. I think well, some of them are better than Meryl Streep can sing. She can. Uh, Amanda Seyfried can mostly sing. Colin Firth, I was surprised that he could sing okay. He, he Christine Baranski is an old pro. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. I mean, what about um, Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is the one that, that hurts the yeah. most, and everyone made fun of him. And it's like, he's trying. Mm-hmm. Can I hear some? He, he can. Yes, he's, and he signed on to this, not knowing anything about what he was doing. He just signed on because Meryl Streep was involved, and he was like, "Oh yeah, Aww. I'm into her. Let's do it." Well, here's the man. Here's James Bond himself. Where are those happy days? They oh. seem so hard to find. I tried to reach for you, but you have closed your mind. Oh no! <laughs> Whatever happened to our love? I wish I understood. That this that sound would make sense if he was doing it on set, but he's clearly lip syncing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, do it again. Just <laughs> one more time. Just talk sing. It's like, yeah. uh, why are it, you even trying? Yeah, just just be the British version of Cake. Just, just get out there and talk sing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Why don't we, we why don't we overdub people anymore? <laughs> you know, I mean, Marnie Nixon passed away, R.I.P. But there's a long and healthy tradition of just having. Another person sing it. Yeah. I know that's what I would opt for if I were a movie star. And I mean, honestly, I think if I look deep down, I'm kind of just really upset because Mandy Patinkin isn't one of these three dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him so much, and he has the best voice. So he has an amazing singing voice. Um, yeah, I guess my other complaint about this is uh, none of the math makes any sense. No, definitely not. Um, because we find out Colin Firth used to be a headbanger, but we also find out that this all happened in 1967 when she was conceived. So it's actually like 1997 in this movie, I guess. But they're but acting like they're, it's now. They're talking about setting up a website. Like, I guess yeah, that would nice. happen in 97, but not for a Greek no. island that like barely has running water. <laughs> No, yeah. but yeah, punk was not a thing in 67 and it, uh, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I, let's just, there's plot holes in this nonstop ABBA fest. Yep. No. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But it is great counter programming. Oh yeah. To what obviously was the, the hugest movie of this year. That's right. Boys, you can come back in the room now. Uh, Stop. So you change things. Did anybody else watch this trailer 200,000 times? So good. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good trailer. Mm-hmm. It is But excellent. Batman doesn't show up until like the last third. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, he wasn't the most important person. And like, yeah, for, for people about following him. the drama of Batman, like, that's how the fucking original se- series imploded. You got all these actors pissed at one another because people only wanted to play villains. Uh, but this, man, just to have been alive during this hype train, like... First of all, Heath Ledger took home the Oscar. Mm-hmm. For, I guess mm-hmm. his 
his next of kin took it home. Mm. Uh, the Joker, someone who played the Joker won an Oscar. We should never forget that. Yeah. There is hope for genre films and comedies at the Academy Awards. You just have to die. Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully <laughs> next time they'll survive. The, they will survive their role. Yeah. And, and but and, uh, I don't even know where to start with this. But I, what I do love is being like, man, like it doesn't even happen that much anymore. You don't see a lot of set photos because most everything's on like contained soundstage somewhere in fucking Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people were not happy with the casting of Heath Ledger as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I know. this is one of those uh, movies I feel like is a milestone for toxic fandom. Right. Oh yes. Right. Uh, starting with the casting of Heath Ledger, and mm-hmm. then the hype becomes so big before it comes out, they start getting mad at critics who've seen the movie and aren't giving it like a five star review. People haven't seen the movie. And then they get mad because Maggie Gyllenhaal has uh, replaced Katie Holmes. And she's not hot enough. I don't want you to save me. (laughs) People suck. But Heath Ledger, God, I just I watched this last night. And every time he's on screen, I just think I am so mad at you for being dead. Because yeah. I want to see more performances from you because you're amazing. Well, I think that's the most infuriating thing about his death is that, like, mm-hmm. it's not, wasn't really his fault. Yeah. It was just, mm-hmm. he was taking something he was prescribed for his problems mm-hmm. uh, and just maybe a little too much, maybe an odd mixture, but like, it's, we're, de- we're dealing with this crisis right now <laughs> with, with yeah. all kinds of drugs. And like, Heath Ledger is an unfortunate victim of it. Um, Socks left behind a wife and a daughter and all that good shit. And, and just, a glowing career, a guy who was just like coming out of the shadow of being like this pretty boy tiger beat, yeah, kind of like starring in pappy horse shit, and then like this breakout role in Brokeback um, Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. and oh, then man. on into on into this. And yes, people were pissed at his casting. The second there were set photos of how the Joker looked, people were even more incensed. Who is this goth emo Joker with his stupid scars? Ugh, he doesn't even have a paint on his face. It's just cracking off. I'm like, wow, we were all. And wow. I, I'm not saying. I was working on the internet, so I was not commenting and put, putting those things in comments. But I was skeptical, too. Mm-hmm. But I just want to make sure, remember, were you one of those people who mm-hmm. thought Heath Ledger was a bad idea and the Joker was going to suck? How wrong were you? Yeah. How wrong will you be in the future? Think about things before you post them. Exactly. Uh, or maybe just give shit a chance. For Christ's <laughs> sake, yeah. like, give it a second. I, I, I don't know where to st- I'm going to give this to one of you. I don't know where to start with this. I could talk about this movie all fucking day. This is the movie, by the way. We I re I told you I rebought I rebought in 4K because mm-hmm. there's a lot of lying 4K movies out there. But because it's Christopher Nolan and he loves film, dude, they they shot the whole opening sequence and I think an additional ten or so minutes on IMAX 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. It looks astonishing. It's there, so pretty. There are worse effects in the Justice League today then this movie holds up so beautifully on a mm-hmm. visual level it's just so great mm-hmm. yeah. well some of that is a lot of practical stuff mm-hmm. they make pittsburgh look magnificent mm-hmm. um and yeah when they gotta flip a truck they flip a truck they flip a truck and when they, they have to explode a hospital they, they explode, explode a hospital. hospital when they have to go to hong kong they go to fucking hong kong yeah and like you can, you can even tell like how fake that moment is when the when skyhook it was designed to get military members what Sam was like that really existed and it almost killed like mm-hmm. everybody. <laughs> but it's but true. like that was a the, bad idea. there's this when they pull them out, there's that CG moment in that like it's jarring now because you have not seen much CG at all up until this point. Mm-hmm. Like in, in that that car sequence, there's a great sequence uh, behind the scenes feature on the DVD. Like it's all practical, but for stuff they couldn't do, they shoot miniatures, and by miniatures I mean one third. So the Batmobile, <laughs> the Batmobile is about. 
the size of a golf cart. Uh, but it just it, it makes for an astonishing result. Every sequence in this film, I don't know, and, and something Sarah said when we were we were watching it that like there are so many amazing moments mm-hmm. in this film. Like it's like what if this if this was a fucking series, like a ten episode series, every every ten minutes is a great ending to one of the best seasons of television you've yeah. ever seen in your life. I, I, I every know. time I watch this I get oh. we get like halfway through or like three fifths, and I'm like, Harvey Dent isn't even Two Face yet, and yeah. we are so far <laughs> into. Oh this. my God, and Commissioner so Gordon's dead. Joker was captured. Who's so this? much has happened. Interrogation yeah. sequence. Holy shit. Yeah, it's that's what I that's what I do want to say. Did anybody read the Patton Oswalt theory on the Joker's background? Oh yeah, wasn't yeah. It, it wasn't that? And, and I'd seen it so many times. I'm like, man, that makes so much sense. He he said something like a. What a paramilitary interrogation expert, mm-hmm. which is why the Joker's backstory changes depending on who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, when Batman <laughs> slams his head to the table, interrogation room was like, "You never start with a head; things get all fuzzy." Uh, <laughs> he seems to have all this knowledge of the inner working of how people's brains works and exploits it constantly. And I've always mm-hmm. said this on a bunch of other shows. My two favorite pop culture characters in history are Bugs Bunny and the Joker. Uh, the Joker is the greatest character ever because he can't really exist, but he exists to bring out the best of the main character. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a, he presents a wonderful dichotomy and acts only how we secretly want him to act, hmm. to do the worst things possible to draw the best out of Batman. I, don't, I think he's one of the most perfect characters in the entire yeah. history of fiction. Hmm. And, and, this, and this is no exception. Except- uh, especially, I think, this version, the mm-hmm. idea of like, that he's basically he's constantly doing psychological experiments on mm-hmm. people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, like and pushing it, them and pushing them and pushing them until an, they crack. That's an, like literally his goal. On an, an entire population of people, like yeah. just wonderful, wonderful manipulation. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think Christopher Nolan knows a ton about Batman. <laughs> I don't think so yeah. either. And, it, and I'm not sure about that. But um, but I don't. I thought that was the case. He doesn't know Batman that well. And I remember showing my dad this movie, having never seen Batman Begins, and it just fucking works. It's a great. It, yeah, this could be a, its own thing. It's a like, great crime movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. By by itself, it's it's one of those movies. I was thinking about it in reference to something like Captain America: Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the best superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also. And it's one where it's like you could retool this, and there's no superheroes. Mm-hmm. There's no no one's wearing a mask. No one's got special abilities. No one's you know, special abilities. Big part of it. Part of it's a spy movie. A lot of it is a mob taking down the mob kind of movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it it its scope is so gigantic that I was trying to like follow the plot. Like, does it follow act structure? Is it? It's like a five act yeah. play, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we got first we got the stuff. With Hong Kong and the money from the mob. Oh, that's another interrogation. That's that's yep. a, I know the squealers when yeah. I see them. That's a yep. squealer, right? Uh, and and then it starts going into the Joker targeting public officials, mm-hmm. and then it goes to is Batman going to come forward? And then Dent claims that he's Batman, and then it goes into uh, Dent's gone nuts. And the Joker is terrorizing the entire city now. And it's like there's it's such a big scope and it Mm -hmm. sprawls and it leads to other stuff. And it actually has something to say about the things that it's bringing up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not it's not putting a fine point. No one gives a big speech about, you know, well, if you're going to give up liberty for security, uh, Mm -hmm. you know what Jefferson said. That's too much power for one man, Mr. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you, but that goes into also why the Joker is so 
menacing is because there is no fine point because he is chaotic evil. So there is no there there's no speech that could turn him around or yeah. change his mind in mm-hmm. any way. That's just true for life, which is why it's so like menacing and sort of gives you that dread that in yeah, a good way. The Joker works. I don't know. He just I've seen him work on so many levels. If anybody's read the White Knight right now, mm-hmm. it's where like the first issue, like Batman causes a shitload of damage chasing Joker around for no reason. And just ends up in a pill factory and he shoves a bunch of pills down his face in front of the press and the cops and. <laughs> the pills end up almost killing, then curing Joker of his insanity, and the Joker goes on a campaign against Batman, and all of Gotham is on its side. The character can hmm. do anything mm-hmm. because of how fucking... His only motivation is to antagonize Batman. That's why I compare him so much to Bugs Bunny. He's this kinetic yep. force you can just introduce into any environment or storyline, and he'll just work. Uh, and, yeah. But, but th- this one one of the things that the movie is all about is, should Batman exist? Should mm-hmm. we have... Is it right to have a vigilante who is beholden to no one who can just run around right. stopping crime, quote unquote? And I think that's part of why the movie opens pretty early on with fake Batman running around trying to stop crime. Right. Yeah. And he's like, you know, well, th- the only difference between you and me is I'm not wearing hockey pads. And it's like, actually, there is no difference between There you. isn't. And just like a, a couple million dollars, basically. Like, that's it. What if another millionaire <laughs> moved into Gotham and then like had the same sort of he'd be doing the same thing you yeah. know it's there's yeah. no difference. and the idea that they need you know harvey dent as the da the guy who does it by the law and it puts you know faith back into the the system and it's the system that's going to help everyone but then when the joker is like uh i'm gonna blow up a hospital if i don't get what i want then law and order immediately break down including within the cops where it has been broken the entire time yeah yeah, even even with with Gordon, I do love that because it's it is constantly brought up to his face like you're the sole beacon of the uncorruptible police officer. Yet you will pretty much make any excuse to let Batman do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is and he the trusts world. the cops around him. It turns mm-hmm. out they're on the take. Right. So they but, all are are ratting him out, and just the fact they even bring up the idea of like, hey, we could just have one guy come in and he could just fix everything, and that's yeah. the way the Romans did it. And it's like, yeah, that. Role is called dictator. Yeah, yeah, it's the way people voted in 2016. Mm-hmm. And in the end, basically, they sort of say, like, maybe we do have to do that if we're pushed too far, because that's kind of the job Morgan Freeman ends up getting. Mm-hmm. You know, he becomes a Cincinnatus figure, if I can go into, like, fancy history. Oh, my word. Where someone, someone who is handed over all of this power fixes the problem and then just goes quietly back to what they were doing. Mm. Hmm. That okay. voluntarily gives up power. Yeah, his, his character is... It's just a, it's such a semi obscure Batman character, but it he works really well in these movies. I, th- I think to make yeah. a greater societal point, because like I don't know, there's a there's a minor fear in the zeitgeist of encroaching technology, and I just whenever I go back and watch this movie, I'm like, oh, well, you were hitting on that already. The mm-hmm. u- ubiquity of connectivity uh, could mm-hmm. end up dooming us in the wrong hands. Yep, the complete lack of privacy mm-hmm. that anyone could just hack a system and then um, oh, we have no privacy. Ugh, I can't. Now it's thought crime. I want to talk about this movie for fucking ever. It just—it just, it just <laughs> looks. It, too, there's so much. It looks, oh, it looks so good. It looks so good. It's like it's directed so well. You always know what's happening. Not a second is wasted. The only things dated that I can put on the film, and I watch this at least once a year, if not more mm-hmm. often than that. Have the whole thing memorized. Uh, Christian Bale's voice, <laughs> both as Bruce yeah, Wayne and Batman. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, you'd be better than us. 
It sounds like Assy McGee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it does. And, and, oh, and, but I always think Christian Bale is is the best Bruce Wayne though, because mm-hmm. he's he's just pulling on that American Psycho thing, you know. Yeah. He can he can be such an upper class douchebag so no, I, well. I do actually really like his Bruce Wayne a lot. Yeah. A lot more than his Batman. And we were remarking on the like amazing slash tragic trajectory of Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. Who's like fresh off of Thank You for Not Smoking gets cast in this, like the biggest movie, one of the biggest movies of all time. And then I've never seen him in anything since. He's one of those guys where I'm like, maybe he's just shitty to work with because I don't understand why he. Why'd you fall off? You're not bad in this movie until you become Two Face. And then it gets pretty fucking silly. It gets, yeah. Rachel! (laughs) Rachel! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he eats some scenery there. Yeah, a little bit. But and that, that scene is great because I don't know that there's not a long sequence in any of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies where two of the villains interact like that. Yeah. In fact, oh, they almost that's such a good scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they, they mm-hmm. almost never interact. And, yeah. and and I and I have to imagine, and I'm going to piss some people off. I'm sure uh, I have to imagine every week Warner Brothers, without saying a word, backs a dump truck of money into Christopher Nolan's uh, driveway and just like, come on, <laughs> come on, please, please. Ben Affleck doesn't want to do this. Matt Reeves is getting frustrated. We cannot get this Batman movie off the ground. Mm-hmm. P- please revisit this universe. Please. And I love that, like, he's not desperate no. enough yet. Yeah. But I, I predict they, they will get that desperate. Do you think? I do. I do think we will see at least one more Christopher Nolan Batman movie. Because mm-hmm. this... I don't know. Those, I feel that like character can done. only Those characters can only mess up that many times before they go back to something everybody will automatically love. Uh, I don't or, know. or at least I don't eagerly know. anticipate. I mean, this whole the whole trilogy, I feel like was a was a gamble mm-hmm. in the first place. To, right. Even to do Batman Begins, it's like okay, we're we're going back to like the '89 Batman. We're we're still taking Batman seriously. Mm-hmm. We're taking it like real seriously, but not joyless seriously, like the <laughs> Batman Superman yeah. was. But yeah, the fact that it's like no, we're going darker. We're doubling down on the dark. We're going to st- stick with the dark. It's going fucking dark. It's fucking serious. It's fucking realistic. Well, I mean, have you seen the news about all these other DC movies? Like, they're, uh, they're not, they look like they're not going to bother playing the Marvel game. They're actually going to behave like normal comic books where, like, you will understand that this Batman is not the same as the other Batman. They just cast, I forget huh. who, they cast somebody else as the Joker mm-hmm. that Jared Leto is currently still signed up to be in another huh. Joker movie. But we understand that this is the same character, whether it's played by a different person. So I, yeah. I do predict one more, one more visit to that universe hmm. in a full-on Dark Knight Returns moment, or maybe I just want it that Nolan much. Nolan is just done. I don't like, think. I, feel like he's I don't think he'll ever done. need. Yeah. I think I don't think he'll ever need the money. But no. right now he's like he's on Warner Brothers. Like Warner Brothers will cash any check he wants. So if he makes another thing like Dunkirk and people don't show up to it, mm. I think he might do another Batman. Mm, not that not that Dunkirk is know. not that Dunkirk is bad. It just like didn't shake the world to its needs, which most of the time I've I fucking love every Christopher Nolan movie. I even love Dunkirk. Yeah. The rest of the world wasn't with me. It's okay though. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you can still make you can make a good movie that totally. doesn't bring everyone to their knees. No, no, I, think I know. Christopher Nolan knows. I this. think I think he's like, the finest filmmaker that exists in our world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do. I really, yeah. Like in terms of like big. Fucking Hollywood movies. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. I don't know that I disagree with you. Yeah, I think you. And, and I, I, yeah, I don't. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know how he hit this one out of the park so well. Every superhero movie benefits tremendously by being the sequel, the second. We got the origin story out of the way. You know the characters yeah. who they are. They can literally hit the ground running and punching. Yeah, uh, and, and they do. And this one, I totally forgot that this one actually starts not just like hitting the ground running out of mm-hmm. Batman Begins. It kind of starts in the middle of another story, like. 
They just fill you in on like, oh, yeah, well, we had those marked bills. It looks like they took them. Yeah, that's right. And it's like, oh, this is an ongoing investigation, and we're just picking it up now. Yeah, you start in a courtroom drama. (laughs) Yeah, that whole sequence is amazing. (laughs) Funny, Joker told me something similar. That guy's voice voice is also a little outdated. Like, It's too good a voice actor to be behind a mask. Uh, You and your friends are dead. I love every line in this fucking movie. I can watch it. Like, I can't believe the movie's so good, you forget that, like, Holy shit, like Eric Roberts, Anthony Michael Hall, and Black yeah. Dynamite are in this movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, fuck me. Yes, they blow up a whole hospital. And I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, listeners. I did intend to do more research, but I read everything about this film when it came out and for years afterwards. I'm pretty positive Joker lived to be in the next film. And mm-hmm. Sam was pointing yeah. out, yeah. We could. There's a, there's a line from him as he's dang, in the Joker's last sequence where it sort of sets up some of the tonality of Dark Knight Rises, including what I didn't initially like about Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. the idea of Batman retiring for eight years. Right. Um, mm. But I'm pretty sure Ledger was supposed to, because nobody really dies. Well, wasn't he supposed to go to Arkham? I, I don't, I, 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 I don't I know how. I that somewhere. I, don't, I can't imagine they, they, they would have left the, like, introduced two new Batman characters right. per movie uh, kind of thing behind. But, like, remember, like, every almost every character... If Heath Ledger had appeared in Dark Knight Rises, that would have mean like everybody who was introduced in a Batman movie appears in the next movie. Because yeah. Killian Murphy never doesn't show up in um, the Nolan verse. What? Killian, right? It's not Cillian Murphy. It is Cillian. Yeah, I think it's Killian. Yeah. I think it's Killian. Oh, Killian? All right, let's vote yeah. on it. Wait, he Scarecrow. doesn't? You said he doesn't He doesn't up? not show up. Oh, he doesn't uh, not yeah, show so up. Like, yeah, oh, confusing me with your double negatives. Which, which, which I love just because that's, that's how comic book works. No, yeah. You don't kill the fucking villain. They just show up later. Maybe it's for a fucking second. Sometimes to just be kind of annoying. <laughs> and I'm really pissed we didn't see... When you get an interesting take on the Riddler, mm-hmm. it can be really fascinating. Uh, I don't I want to say the story, but I don't want to spoil anything. But but like I would have loved to have seen Nolan's take on Riddler more so than Bane, even though mm. Tom Hardy did a gr- great job. Oh wait, can I do that, <laughs> Diana? Uh, did you ever see the Tom Waits appearance that um, <laughs> allegedly Heath Ledger? This is amazing. Based uh, the Joker off of. No. It's an Australian talk show, and Tom Waits has done I would say all the coke. Uh-huh. And not unlike the Joker, <laughs> the is, world ran out of coke that day. He, he's constantly licking his lips, making no sense, and talking in a way I've heard Tom Waits talk. He doesn't sound like this all the time. Mm-hmm. Can I play huh. that clip real fast? Oh yeah. How are you, Tom? Oh, I'm better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> ashtray. Um, we don't have can we have an ashtray. Got an ashtray, man? If not, wait. I'll tell you what. In the meantime, here. You can use this, uh, oh, nice. Wes. All right. Just get it in there. How, uh... Hang on. Are you all right? Yeah, just all fine. Right. I just you. want to check it till you're settled in. That's all. All right, let me get comfortable here. Okay. It's, it's spot on. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have goosebumps. Mostly, so I want to know who the hell that host is. He's Australian by way of the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> I know. His accent doesn't make much sense. Oh, uh, my God. That voice is perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, I, and if I'm not mistaken, like... Tom Hardy did like the exact same thing. He picked some obscure television moment, some weird Scottish character, and like mm-hmm. took his voice and uh, tone from that from that guy too, mm-hmm. which is just an awesome way to play a fucking character. Just making a real life Easter egg, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, oh my god! Uh, fuck this movie works really well, and I, I say yep. that as a lifelong Batman fan. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and who is tremendously disappointed with how he's been used cinematically um, mm-hmm. up until this point. Mm-hmm. Very yep. I, I think, yeah, the takeaway for this, I'm sure 99% of our listeners have, have seen uh, this movie by now. It's worth a rewatch. There's there's a oh, lot more going on yes. in it than you probably remember. Well, and also, I mean, like, when this movie came out and the years afterwards, especially with Heath Ledger's death, like, so much has been written about it. I think everything that could be written about it has been written about it and said about mm-hmm. it. But when we talk about, like, the feelings, the way it makes you feel, mm-hmm. this movie is, like, very remarkable to me just because I remember watching it in 2008 and loving it and, mm-hmm. like, feeling a certain way. And then watching it again this weekend mm-hmm. made me feel a different sort of way mm-hmm. because, like, it still resonates but with our like current political climate mm-hmm. and the way everything mm-hmm. feels like it's on fire right now, <laughs> like oh shit, I got oh real God. in my feelings like after we watched we this couldn't one stop because remark on those, those Michael Caine lines about just are about the Republican Party and in their desperation they turned to a man they didn't quite understand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which which the bleakness of that was tempered by. Antistas and my husband's <laughs> dueling Michael Caine impressions, <laughs> which we had to pause the movie several times for. The movie's which... only 10 years old. It's only 10 years old. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Michael Caine is. Michael Caine. He's the best. But I mean, yeah. Like... No one is more serious than me. Trust, believe me, I am the most serious. I don't know why you're all so serious because I, I have the best seriousness. I'm oh, God, exactly. I've broken all the Elton John records. Every single one. <laughs> I've always had a good relationship with the blacks. Always. Always. Okay. Ba- Batman's been, been to visit Little Rocket Man. That. His button is much smaller. That accent yeah. with that dialogue is making me feel insane. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like. The Michael f- Caine 2020. Yeah. This yeah. Rewatch. Definitely, absolutely and rewatch this. Last complimentary thing I'll, I'll throw on it because it's something. Not only do I not notice a lot now, you don't notice in superhero movies, and there's been people who are way better at articulating this complaint of how bad the scores are uh, to most superhero films. But uh, the score here, is it Hans Zimmer Mm -hmm. uh, doing the score here? The simplicity of two notes or even one waning sign. Mm -hmm. The Joker's theme is just like, it, it, it sounds like slowly getting closer to a refrigerator. Like yeah. it's, it just yeah. That's, that's the dread. It's incredible. The score yeah. is so fucking good, and like nobody, this, nobody gives half a thought to a fucking score in a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I said this on bonus time because I watched we watched Ant Man and the Wasp this weekend, and then we followed it up like Gold, uh, the Kingsman was on. Yep. And we watched Dark Knight, and it's like I love what I love the MCU, and I love what Marvel's doing, but they're not visually. Or story-wise outstanding as single singular films, it's this whole experience you've been experiencing for 10 yeah. years, mm-hmm. whereas Kingsman and Dark Knight especially do a much better job out of being a singular watch that is just breathtaking and will blow you away. Marvel yeah. doesn't really have a movie that can say that. No. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, it's a bummer, because I'm more of a Marvel fan, but like, come on, we all know Batman. Well, that's okay. We all have our strengths. <sighs> I, don't, I should shut it can't up. can't be no. everything to everyone. I should shut up. You know, you know what's also great after a three-hour Christopher Nolan movie? No post-credit sequence. Boom! <laughs> Everyone take a leak. <laughs> oh, all right, I'm done. I'm done. You guys talk. <laughs> I think we said it all. Oh, I, I think we covered it, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, because there's not a lot of interesting television this week. I don't even want to do the show anymore. Uh, I don't even want to. Be- <laughs> 
Oh, is there? I forget. Generation Kill is great. I we had just finished the wire and it's some of the wire people making a, a mini series about um mm-hmm. Gulf War veteran. I thought we were bored out of our mind uh with Generation Kill. I really? never finished it. Yeah, I never finished it. Oh wow. I uh, enjoyed it, but I only I only saw it the one time. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. I miss remembering, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. July thirteenth, Generation Kill debuts on HBO, I think six to eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh you can see a bunch of familiar wire people in there. Uh, July 15th, ABC's One Life to Live celebrates its 40th anniversary. Uh, it would make it to five more seasons and over 11,000 episodes. Wow. 11,000 episodes. And uh, it wasn't even canceled. There was just a lawsuit, and they put uh, put it on hiatus, and it's been on hiatus for about half a decade. Mm. Uh, and See, this is... I, ugh, we're gonna, some of this is going to go a little short, everybody. Uh, the Wendy Williams Show debuts in syndication July 15th. Must Love Kids airs on some channel. Who cares? On July what 15th. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Wendy Williams Show. I, Wendy Williams is great. She's yeah. oh, basically cr- a drag queen. Oh, I don't know who she is. Oh, cr- Yeah, she's is that great. A, is that a reference? Yeah. Oh, goodness. This show has been taken over by women, and I don't know how to handle it. Why am I complaining yes. after that long queen. of a dark night conversation? <laughs> um, it's only because, like, I wish... Speaking of anime and, and, and Japan animation, <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender concludes this is not anime i understand that it's uh it but no it's 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 western animation but it's it's clearly very inspired by anime and, and this will also hate me for this it's better <laughs> it's it's more gorgeous it doesn't take anime shortcuts uh it, it it's it's beautiful it's and i i i thought i thought avatar the last airbender had a stigma of being low rated and canceled before its time but no it was immensely high rated i was thinking of Legend of Korra, mm-hmm. the follow-up, uh. which kind of got you know kicked in the ass later, like like dumped onto streaming platforms instead of giving a, a proper finish. But like Avatar killed it in the ratings, and they very much had a proper end of the series in mind. Went went a nice four years, not even syndication level, and I devoured the first two seasons. And then wherever I was watching it, we know this pain now, very 2018 uh, pain, disappeared from the streaming platform mm-hmm. I was watching it on, mm-hmm. and I. Didn't feel like paying for it, but it, I loved Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, but yeah, I think four, four twenty episode seasons, uh, and that's it. It's a really good, concise story with not a lot of wasted time, hmm. with some amazing characters. Uh, but that ended on July nineteenth, and that wraps up television. And the games get even worse. Uh, if you remember my story, I've been podcasting for ten years, and I know that because I was uh, July fifteenth through the seventeenth. I was at E three, uh, the video game expo. And I got, we got back, I had to work, record podcasts, and I got off a plane, into an office, did work, and then went immediately to the dark night, fell asleep, and didn't enjoy the movie. Saw it again, mm. remedied the situation, uh, and yeah, that was the E3 is happening right now, but there's some terrible games out, Space Chimps, obviously, the sitting every platform. Uh, NCAA 09, I keep trying to remember what the last year of that is, because I believe... Uh, the college students eventually said, um, wow, you're making millions of dollars off of uh, us oh, for free. Pay them. Yep, and uh, that's not happening anymore. And we love golf. A decent golf game came out this week. But who could forget Major League Eating, the game, for the what? Wii? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what? I, I... I think also as a result of the writer's strike, I think Fox had picked up Major League Eating and was airing a, a very short-lived version of this very real thing that does happen. Is it a television program? Yeah, it's based on the television program. That's why it has the game on it. It is a li- a fully licensed 
<laughs> Major League what? Eating Competition. Put the Wiimote in your mouth. Yeah. Chew yeah, on it for I'm half so an hour. Confused. No, no, no. You soak the Wii remote in water so you can chew uh, it up easier. So you can shove it down your gullet. <laughs> I never get tired of saying this. I watched one of these eating contests in, in my life. And there is no other sporting... I'm not saying it's not a sport. I'm just saying I've never seen the winner of any particular sporting event go to claim his prize and have his pants fall down and then throw up. That was, that was, I'm saying it's not a sport. I will go out and say it's not a sport. I would watch that over any Super Bowl. Again, I wish we were filming it. It was so great. Fine. To have your pants Doesn't fall down and then you throw up. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand the physics of that. Oh, it's fantastic. So he full. hit his knees right as right, right as, as his inseam did. Uh, it was fantastic. Yikes. But that pretty much concludes 302010. We uh, encourage you to leave a comment. So many of you did last week, and we fucking love them. And we're going to have a, a show exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash laser time every month where we celebrate your anecdotes related to the things we talk about on 302010. Mm-hmm. And we can't thank you enough for your participation and inclusion. Uh, and Diana is doing a bunch of fun stuff on Twitter. Stuff I should probably do, be doing, but you've been very entertaining. Oh this yeah, week, you're killing it. Oh, yeah. I have well, to this say, this was the big one to tease for. I like yeah. worked on the the tease announcements for this show like, over and over and over, and just sat there waiting, waiting. Like mm, Christmas is coming. Christmas, but the the thing I like it got texted to me was a picture of you holding up Akira. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I tweeted about watching Akira. Mm-hmm. I do. Now, have there's to a say... bunch of pictures on my phone because I took a couple different versions of that of me holding the Akira Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm angrily eating it. I'm sadly <laughs> looking at it. I'm crying and I'm cuddling it. Which one should I use? I'm shaming it into being a Don Bluth film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is it for us. You can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com or 302010.net. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and as always, we got to close out with some deaths and births, die. So, uh, deaths this week, uh, 1988. The only one we seem to have is uh, Nico. She was 49 from the Velvet Underground and Nico, mm-hmm. which is an amazing album. Apparently, she was a bit of a piece of shit. She was a heroin addict. I think she got her son hooked on heroin. But uh, she was riding a bike <laughs> and fell over and hit her head and she died. Oh, wear a helmet, you guys. God, your kid hooked on heroin? Son, yeah, you got to try this. Well, you look really cool, Mom. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's rough. No, apparently she was like a racist and she's not a good person, but mm. that album's amazing. So okay, maybe don't go. wear a helmet then in this one case. <laughs> yep. oh, let's try and cheer ourselves up with the rebirth or the bubba bu- bu- birthday quiz. Oh, man. I had a really hard time deciding on the birthday quiz because this week we have two people turning 100. <gasps> okay. They're both dead, though. But the one I didn't go with is Ingmar Bergman. Okay. 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 It was kind of important as a filmmaker. From but Car- oh, no, that's not <laughs> the woman from Casablanca. I wanted to get into because it's crazy. Born July 18th, 1918 in Cape Province, South Africa. His parents were illiterate, sent him to a Methodist school where he took up boxing, ballroom dancing, and long distance running, then got a law degree. Hmm. Was this a president? Um... Then he went into politics, uh, led strikes, acts of sabotage, and at one point the government banned him from talking to more than one person at a time. What the fuck? What? In 1962, fearful of his connection to communists, the CIA tipped off the South African government on his location, and he was arrested and charged with treason. Oh, Nelson Mandela? Nelson Mandela! He sat in prison for 27 goddamn years, and there are 40 movies about him or with him as a character. (laughs) Wow. I I just wish, more than anything, he could have lived to see him get his own effect. It's it's just so wonderful. As I remember it, he did. He did? Oh, fantastic. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Oh, God. Wait Someone give Ben a trophy. <laughs> God damn. As I remember, it's called the Mandala Effect. Oh, good one, too. Good one, too. I, <laughs> all right. Let us know if you... <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to call this one a tie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we said it at the yeah. same time. Oh, my God, yeah, my chest hurts. I kind of figured. Okay, oh good. <laughs> <My chest hits. laughs> that's not how I remember it. Um, that's what I would I would have gone for an Easy Simpsons reference. But you guys, much better, ladies. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. 302010.net, we will close out uh, with Brand New Day from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Uh, this is probably one of our most exciting episodes of the summer, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep getting better throughout most of the summer because that's when all the best movies are coming out oh, yeah. and all the worst television shows conclude. I peeked ahead. Oh. This year for movies is kind of insane. Oh, it's rocking, we, people. We got one of your favorites, I think, next week, Chris. Oh, oh God. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't looked ahead. I don't cheat. Next week or the week <laughs> after. Oh, and a little bit of plug time here. We are, have revamped our Patreon, not only including this bonus show, bonus stuff for VGA, uh, executive producer credits, giving you input into the shows. And now we have a way for you to win actual prizes. Uh, and the show we're trying to launch called The Quiz Down. You can hear a pilot of that on the Laser Time feed or over for free at patreon.com slash laser time. Check it out if you like it, considering uh, donating a very, very small cost of five bucks uh, to, to the endeavor, to our shows, to our network, to maybe to help us eat and uh, maybe expand and make some more stuff that you like. We do appreciate all our, all our supporters. We can't thank you enough. Uh, but yeah, if you like a little more, we wanted to give people uh, something to something to champion. So that's mm-hmm. something we're looking forward to doing. Uh, help us make it a reality, or ignore it altogether. Uh, Don't do that. <laughs> until then, let Neil, uh, let NPH take us out with a brand new day. See you next week, folks. And she may cry, but her tears will dry when I hand her the keys to a shiny new Australia. It's a brand new day. The sun is high, all the angels sing Because you're gonna die, go ahead and laugh Yeah, I'm a funny guy Tell everyone goodbye It's a brand new day